I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? It's working. Good, good vibes. It's working. It's working. Yay. Johnny, Johnny Five's alive. Is that how we're starting the show now? <laughs> it's alive. <laughs> I wake up every morning and scream that, man. It's this. I used to think morning <laughs> was a curse, and now I'm like, yes, it still works. Oh, man, yours still works? It does, man. It's the only thing that keeps me from falling out of bed. <laughs> I roll, no, I roll over. I poke a hole in the mattress. Had to kind of deflate. So I sit to the bottom, like a little thumbtack. Oh, like a little thorn on a rose. My face is the rose, but it's wilted. Well, the show's been going for twenty seconds. We're already talking about dicks. So <laughs> it's going to be a good night. That didn't take long. So a good start. What's up, young man? How you boys been? Can't complain. You could. No one would care, but you could. Yeah, I care. True. I care. I absolutely care, man. Um, dude, it's good to see you, Chris. I've seen you all the yeah. time, but we haven't seen you on the show since uh, COVID. You were the first COVID yeah. guest back, wasn't he? Could have been. I could have been. Right around. Yeah, man. So I want to catch yeah. up with you in, for a bit. Um, 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 wow. Yeah, a lot's going on with you in the Rating Center. I think we talk about you a bit on the show, so I think a lot of our friends will know, but it'd be nice for you to share your journey. And uh, then, speaking of journey, the three of us uh, were all at PIA, not actually together, but uh, partially together, um, although we got to spend a lot of good time together. And it'd be cool to hear, like, Chris, your perspective as an examiner. Um, uh, 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 what is it called when you, uh, spoiler alert, uh, heard really good things about you from some of my peers and counterparts. Uh, Nick, it was really your first full PIA, so it was your really first full experience. And uh, you came in gusto, dude. You came in fucking swinging like a goddamn giant. Uh, I got. I was just carrying a camera around trying to look important. You like to shoot video and you like to edit video, and we brought you out there to do what you like, and you enjoyed yourself tremendously. It was a great week. Yeah. Your shorts were awesome. Those shorts every day. Oh, I thought you were watching us in the hotel room. <laughs> they look good. Yeah, legs. Legs. I was running in the gym every morning in super tiny shorts. <laughs> so, Jacob from uh, LB Altimeters. <laughs> How old do you think Jacob is? Uh, 53. Okay, yeah, that's probably a pretty good guess, or you know exactly because that seems about right. <laughs> but he is uh, not someone, like, I wear tiny shorts because it's kind of funny to me, you know? And I walked into the gym wearing probably exactly this hoodie and my tiny, tiny shorts, being like, yeah, this will be entertaining. And Jacob was the first person I saw, and I went, oh, he might think I'm fucking weird. <laughs> but uh, man, he was on the treadmill before I got there. He was still on it when I left. How tiny are they? I mean, I wear some short shorts to run in, so I don't. They're like that, like little fly shorts, military shorts. Oh, okay, look skinny. Military like running shorts. Yeah, so, running shorts. Yeah, it, it's. I definitely had the shortest shorts out of anybody there, and it was. Uh, you know, I went in the morning thinking it was going to be dead because I'm used to being surrounded by a bunch of lazy skydivers. But all these military guys are all there getting after it in the morning. It was already packed, so. I, I, I legally can wear shorter shorts than you. I mean, because your legs are longer. Why? Because you won't expose yourself? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Man, it's, uh, he gets it. Yeah. 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 I, I, into. Your penis <laughs> will hang out at like an inch and a half. I wear some pretty tight underpants. Ah, oh, man. Keep you do, actually. You do. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about my underpants? Man, I get lost in them sometimes. Hell yeah. Get lost uh, in the sauce, baby. Bring it. Man, so so back to catching up, kind of our goals. And then uh, I also want to talk a little bit about the future of the Rating Center because you've been a big part of, of, of the recent history. And uh, you're leaving. Fuck you. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Want to talk about your, your moving? Okay, and geographically, still part of the rating center. Yeah. And uh, quite honestly, personally, I'm a little bit heartbroken. Professionally, I'm ecstatic. I think it's great for, for the rating center for you and for what we're trying to do with our communities. Um, and San Marcos, uh, spoiler alert, is going to greatly benefit from, from what we're going to be able to do to build. I hope so. I really hope so. I, uh, I can't believe that I say all that after you lock my dogs in jail for 24 hours, but just saying. Oh, man. man. That was like four and a half years ago. Why you got to bring up old shit? Because I'm old. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. Oh, uh, man. It, it's, uh, you know I'm joking. Oh, no, I know. So, dude, you were here two years ago or three years ago with COVID, right after COVID kicked out. Yeah. How long have you been an examiner? Um... Really lost Six years as a coach examiner and just over four now as an AFFIE. Wow. Time flies. Yeah. Time flies, man. It I really had to think about that, too. Six years as a coach examiner. Yeah. Holy shit. No wonder people actually think you know what you're doing. You've been doing it a while. Maybe just short of six years. And... You went full time. You you were a full time skydiver. Man, I love you, Nick. I stole you from Nick. <laughs> you were a full time instructor from Spaceland, and uh, Nick and Spaceland were very uh, understanding and supportive of your desires and your goals, yeah. and of, of our growth. And I think we took some good time, uh, just a little, uh, I guess, behind the scenes of our relationships. But uh, we worked very closely at trying to balance out your life. And thank you, and thank Nick and Spaceland yeah. for allowing us to make that slow transition. And thank you for continuing to support them. Is that good enough of a handy? No, that's fair. Yeah. I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate you giving me a nice uh, stroking over here. That, that, I mean, these are handy. Yeah, it, it, is really, it is really hard because at this point, Nick or uh, 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 what's your name, Chris? His <laughs> lead examiner. Yeah. Our lead examiner. What's your face? I like to. Uh, I, I do like to say that you're our lead examiner. Yeah. Um. By all means, I founded the company, but we are a fucking team. I would. I, I, oh, sure. them. I don't know what's going on. I rely on you guys wholeheartedly. Um, you guys also rely on me, and I love it because it's such a symbiotic relationship with, with the team. For sure. Um, you went full-time for the rating center when? 2021? Right after COVID. Uh, like That's when we started. I think the transition. It sounds about right. <laughs> so I think the transition started after we recorded the recurrency stuff, and that's when it kind of started, and then it was like, March, I think, of 2021, it was full-blown rating center. And then on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what was it like? Like, so at the point you were, I might, you might not know numbers, guesstimates are good. At the point you went part-time space land, about how many courses were you doing a year? Uh, part-time space land? Um, yeah, before you, well, least, you were still full-time space land, I guess. I was doing, Four AFFI courses a year, rough guess, and then probably ten to twelve. So you were already part time with Spaceland when you went. Yeah. Okay. 
I, and sorry, I, I really, these are earnest questions in part for people listening, but I don't remember this well, stuff, dude. I, I, I call those numbers out saying that was still part-time because last year I think so, I ran something like 30 courses. Uh, I was running almost almost one AFF course a month and two coach courses a month. Right. So a lot of people have known know, knew you for years as an instructor. Yeah. And suddenly you transition and suddenly to them, but you know, we, we saw it as a progression for quite a while. You transition into a, a full time examiner. Why the switch? Why the change? The the short answer is Your it's, answer. it's more stable. <laughs> we got like an hour and fifty minutes, so it can be a longer answer. Uh, uh it's it's more stable. Um it's it's uh much easier to schedule courses whether or not. I can still run a course if it's bad weather or uh, like what happened to my ankle. If you have the accident prone sticker, um, I was still able to run courses while I was in a boot. So I'm sorry, what is accident prone? I don't get it. So, uh, yeah, I uh, was splitting firewood and the ax skipped off the log right into my leg. Got an awesome scar too. X, it did like A X E. Dude, there yeah. is a giant notch in yeah. your leg. <laughs> What's up, Paul Bunyan? How you doing? Yep, I get it, Bunyan, because it's your feet. Yeah, yep. that's a bad dad. Nice joke. one, Dad. Uh, yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you, ma'am. Uh, the other day, I accidentally took my cat's medicine. <laughs> Don't ask me how. Let's go. I. Oh man, hell I, yeah! Bring it back with ham horn. I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, like it, it was, it's, I can still run courses with, I mean, obviously with some help from different staff, but like I can still run courses when, you know, I'm a little bit broken and whatever. Like, well, classic skydiver getting hurt on a wet, you mean we're on a weather hold, but you were chopping wood because it was cold outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and thankfully it was early, early in the season because I want to say that was like late March, early April, so we hadn't really gotten into the grind yet. But it still sucked. <laughs> Being stuck on my back for two weeks really was not fun. So I have a little bit of an idea of what it takes to become uh, an AFF instructor examiner. Mm-hmm. But uh, for those who have no idea what that takes, what does that take? Um, you're not going to work for a year. <laughs> um, I mean, over the over the span of four years, you are not going to get paid for about a year's worth of time. Uh, you're going to read in the books. You're going to do a lot of mentorship. You're going to get a lot of um, basically knowledge is your pay. Like your gaining experience is your pay in as a as an examiner or or as an up and coming examiner. Uh, it's it's hard work. It takes a lot of dedication. Um, I didn't realize how much until I had to <laughs> go back and like look at my own logbooks and be like, man, so I missed a year's worth of work if you total it all up. So when you say that conceptually, like, you know, you're not getting paid for your practically, what does that mean? Like, because you're doing, you know, a bunch of mentor jumps or, you know, or, you're, you're doing a lot of, uh, you're, you're doing a lot of working in courses. Uh, oh, and just not getting on days where you would normally be signed in to do work jumps. Yeah. In courses, your pay is your training. Yeah. If you want to become it's an examiner, yeah, yeah, it's internship. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. 
And it's funny because I regularly hear people, uh, most, most people understand it, even people who aren't coming to be evaluators understand that it takes me a lot of time to invest in them just to get them to properly do evaluations, let alone train to be an examiner. And so it, it, if I had uh, three reasonably adequate uh, exam evaluators, not even great, uh, adequate evaluators, my workload is so easy. If I have to train one evaluator from the ground up, it's harder than having other people. Yes. So it's uh, it, it's even harder because most of them say they want it and most of them don't do the work. Um, and some of them show up and actually hustle and work. And Chris did grind. He, he did work hard. He made a lot of sacrifices. Um, and it's one of the reasons I've, I've been willing to hand you some of the lead, lead roles. So uh, lead examiner. It's still scary, just so you know. Having that mantle passed down to you from that guy. <laughs> it's scary. Man, uh, I, 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 I'm going to fast forward in this world. I'm going to share one of my favorite <laughs> things in the world. Um, my favorite thing at PIA was absolutely, and you'll hear me say that about a lot of things, but you'll hear this one and I think you'll understand this is absolutely my favorite moment and you know what it is. Jay Stokes, you know Jay is my mentor. Uh, Nick, you know that. Um, uh, um, what, what's your name behind the desk? Uh, Josh, you, I don't know if you know who Jay is. Uh, Jason. No, no. Jay Stokes? J J yeah. Jay Stokes. I was like, my name. My name is Jason today. What's so, up, Jason? <laughs> so, Jason, uh, you know Jay? Jay Stokes? Yes. Okay. So, he absolutely one of my mentors. Absolutely a guy who trained me as an instructor, trained me as an examiner. He has kind of brought me up behind him and uh, always treated me very well. Treated me as a peer, gave me a lot of respect. Uh, worked with him at the at the board level. I mean, just just a guy that I've emulated. Um, I've also been different from. We're all different. And Chris, thank you for being different than me. Um, <laughs> but I saw Jay. They were at the standardization meetings while I was off fucking around because I'm not an examiner anymore. And <laughs> enjoy those meetings, Chris. I love you. You're welcome. Um, and Jay, uh, without prompting, without me asking, brought up Chris. And highly complimented how he is presenting and representing himself and the rating center and uh, said a few very kind words and how proud I would be of you. And when you were mentor, and I just don't know a better word to use, Chris, it's an awkward word for me still, but I, I, it's my protege. When your mentor compliments your protege, you've done something right in life. Yeah. And I really appreciate it because I've worked very hard to do what I've done to to leave a footprint in safety and training in our community to better our sport, to better our community and, and make our community a safer, more fun place to enjoy. And knowing that somebody else is driving that bus well, thank you. Thank you, man. No problem. I had a uh, had good guidance and uh, good leadership throughout. So And then I helped. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, if Jay, if you're listening, I appreciate it, man. That was uh that, we had some really great conversations during the meetings. So man, much appreciated. Yeah. So you, you've now shifted the mantle, your full-time <clears throat> examiner. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. One of the things that you do now is you work as needed for Spaceland. And, and I kind of remember my transition from uh, full-time Spacelander to full-time examiner and working as needed. Early on, I worked a lot more often. And things quickly kind of progressed to where I didn't work as often. How's that gone for you? Uh, my body likes it a lot more. My neck specifically, uh, for, you know, shooting video and stuff. Um, it's nice to get to go fun jump when I want to. Hold on one second. What camera did you start shooting video for when you started shooting tandem videos? Man, I had a Canon, oh, what was it? Rebel XTI with a giant lens on yeah, it. Uh-huh. 
and the video cameras back then. It was before the CX100 had come out. Okay. It was... Uh, so you're on mini-DV. PC1000, I think. Yeah, no, that's the big side mount. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, three chip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. What's the first camera you shot video with? I think it was a Canon XTI, and Nick made me get rid of it, uh, like, halfway through my first season on video. He was like, hey, the 90s called, and they want their cameras back. <laughs> yeah, that- <laughs> That sounds like such a nickname. That sounds like some asshole shit that would come out of my mouth. He was going to say something about my GoPro at some point. I was the only one that still had like the big old... Yeah, the big CF cards. Giant CF cards and everything like that. So... Man, (laughs) like how big those are... And then we compare them to like three and a half inch floppy disks, and we think about how big those are. Yep. And then we go to five and a quarter, and then. Well, now we're back. Meanwhile, uh, everybody else is on, you know, mini SD cards, and I'm C-5-ish. the one with the giant CF. And <laughs> about time to upgrade your camera for all. So yes, uh, your neck feels better. My neck feels a lot better. Your back feels better. Oh yeah. How my my shoulders don't hurt anymore. Yeah. What were your shoulders hurting from? Uh, STP like crazy. Yeah. Just that. Just that. You know, outside wrestling students, wrestling students kind of thing. And yeah, you know, tunnel instructors, four way people and AFF instructors have the worst shoulders in our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, tandem instructors absolutely get drogue problems, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But man, wrestling a student regularly, wrestling, uh, four way man, the way they turn yep. chunks and the way they fling each other around the sky, the way they anchor pieces mm-hmm. out the door, getting my butt kicked as an evaluator during spin stops. <laughs> You know, that all adds up. <laughs> yeah. Has somebody bruised your shin yet? Uh, no. Tell me when they do. No, How does the I've shin had, bruise happen? I've had the thighs. And he had butted my fucking shin in I his AFF to, course. I tried to stop a spin with my forehead. It didn't work very well. I do not He had butted my shin. I don't get it, dude. I'm I, just sitting here I, spinning. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to do 360s. He, so when you're, when you're spinning like that, when you're being bad student as an evaluator, how aware are you of like where Chris is, how close he's getting? Are you still monitoring? Pretty, that? pretty tightly aware. Okay. Yeah. Like I've learned really good at tracking. Um, so I, I can a spin and I have a revolution goal. You know, I start really at one revolution every two seconds as a, as a entry level, uh, five is oh, no. an about you're, you're starting to get to evaluation level. What are you on, oh, no, brother? Nothing. Okay, good. cool. <laughs> um, if something crashed, we can just figure it out. Um, the, uh, uh, from there, I'm really looking for a revolution a minute. Um, a second, a second, Chris gave me that look. I was like, excuse um, me? <laughs> or faster. Um, and then getting off access or dynamic. Students don't typically spin in place. They are wobbly, and so they start spinning off access. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to not only do that, but also I can drive and guide that. Mm-hmm. Um, while watching, um, I have ducked a, a, a candidate's grip um, or extended it uh, in training in evaluations, I leave what's there there. I don't do anything. But if you're crushing it and you're smoking me, um, I'm going to slip a grip every now and then just to make you work harder, just to make you earn it harder because I want to take you to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's any ins- examiner evaluator who's doing it to be a dick. Congratulations. That's your prerogative. Um, as long as you realize that you're doing it to better them. Um, a challenge I threw down to Chris is, is guys are getting good at shorter and shorter courses and there's no doubt we can train them quicker, but why not train them more? And, and he's done a good job of maintaining my standard uh, of training them more, but I, I threw down some new challenges because we've evolved and we've learned more things and he's got, he's pulled some new uh, tricks out and making sure our courses are long enough to do that extra shit. 
So I've slipped grips. I've uh, you're sucking, and I need you to feel like you can actually do this. I can throw a grip down and present it to you. Um, I think you've gotten there, except for potato chipping. I, my potato chip still leaves something to be desired of, but one of my favorite tricks that you taught me was the potato chip into the spin to make it get ridiculously off axis. Like I, I remember going through my pro track one time and watching the speed go from like 140 to 112 all during the spin. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, just imagine this carving cartwheel yeah. across the sky. That's all it is. It's, <laughs> it's so cool. It's a blast. And it's very, uh, you feel like you're spinning three times faster than you really are. So yeah. you have, you learn you have to just huck it and, and hope you don't vomit. But it's super dynamic too. So it's all over the place. And I imagine you now have candidates diving at you on their, on their bellies, right? To yeah, try and that's why you learn to track them and slip them and dodge yeah. them and not get well, hit. Like it, it basically like I know where you are before I start the spin and I'm pretty good at determining how much I've either sunk out, floated, or moved away from you before I start that. Mm -hmm. And so I can kind of gauge on when it's coming and where it's coming from. Have you had any candidates who are skilled enough flyers that they're approaching you in this moment in an orientation other than on their belly? No. Okay. In fact, I discourage it. That, and that's what I thought that you'd say would, is that would be discouraged. Yeah. But, uh, man, there are some really good flyers out there. So I, yeah. I have, um, but they're rare that they're successful. So uh, one guy, Mario Sotberg, gave me that. Nor no, no, uh, Shatil, uh, his One of his buddies gave me that flag. But uh, I trained both of them and trained him as an AFFI. At this time, a Norwegian free flight champ. The guy to this day is a legend and a badass. And he wanted to free fly down to a tumbling piece. And I recommend a time again that like, hey, man, you, you want to use more of a transitional dive. If you can get steep and get delta and you can dive down. And as you're higher, you can be steeper and wider. But as you get closer in altitude, you narrow down that arc. You narrow down that, that rotation. And you flatten out as you get there. So you're finding your fall rate versus people who get vertical when you get to that piece and you transition to horizontal, finding, matching that fall rate. And mm -hmm. the brakes is hard for a lot of people to find. Um, I absolutely believe if he had time or any strong flyer had the time, they would learn to tune that. Um, but also learn, you know, the uh, big knee drop in the tunnel. Like uh, when, they're uh, do, when we're doing high flights? Uh, yeah. Drop? yeah. Uh, that has been a tremendous help in, in pushing vertical speeds. Yeah. Hands down, knee down, puncture that air, let your hands and knees create a burble that reduces less drag of your body, blah, blah, blah. Um, now you can drop speed and slowly open up and get it. And we found that's been, uh, more not, successful, not easy for everybody to learn, but those who can learn it, it gives you a lot more range. Mm -hmm. So, um, but man, frankly, I don't give a fuck how you get it done. I have seen, uh, uh, a couple people fly very unorthodox, a young lady named, I don't know if you ever flew with her in Lodi, Stephanie Soria. Um, uh, I was on a few jumps with her, but not many. Yeah. A uh, nice gal, but fucking 4,000 jumps when she took her course. Hundreds of hours of tunnel time, I believe. Um, just an extremely dynamic flyer. She, she was a great flyer when I met her in, yeah. in 2012. When yeah. I was the, my Lodi sequential accidental story. Yeah, that she was a, a smear in that memory. Man, yeah. So um, it can be done. It can be done. And, and honestly, mm -hmm. bring... You know, I, I tell people they should dress a certain way for an AFF course, but the way you should dress uh, realistically is the way you will fly the most successfully. 
I'll tell you learn to fly other tools because you can fly them even more successfully. But if somebody shows up to an AFF course and passes in long sleeve shirt and free fly pants, that's how I did it. There's no right or wrong, said and done. Pretty is not on the scorecard. Effective is. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's judging pretty can get fucked because I can look at videos of me working every day and saying, I don't know how I just did that, but we did it and we're happy. It worked. Yeah, I'm sure as a video flyer, you don't know how you get some of the shots you've gotten. You just knew your head was there. Yeah, sometimes it feels like you get lucky and sometimes it feels like you used some experience. <laughs> a little bit of both. Those are some nice pants. Thank you. I uh, They're $30 Amazon pants. Man, they look good. I ruined these pants the first day. I see all these little snags right here. Yeah, I'm seeing them now. Uh, yeah, I went after someone's free bag in the North Field in my brand new pants and uh, ruined them. I think they were $30 Amazon yeah, pants and not like really expensive pants. Yeah, Did, didn't do it in my Lulu's, not me. <laughs> you enjoying those? Yeah, it's great. So, um, man, so... How how is so one of the things that came to you and I'm sorry I'm gonna I'm we're gonna get sidetracked if I go there. Uh, Wait, sidetracked no on way. this show? Um, you you've gone full time examiner. Um, yeah. One of the, the the points I that you made I and I wanted to get to is you don't work as much on the weekends. You have more time off. You've told Katie, our our office manager for the rating center, I want these three weeks off. And for the most part, the answer is yes. If we need you, we'll tell you and you're amicable when, when you can be. And when you can't be, we accept it. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's really been that conflict yet. Uh, not to my knowledge. It's because usually I'll schedule something fun that I want to do months in advance before anything's on the schedule. So it's uh, we just schedule around it. Yeah, necessary. So, but it's hard, man, because if it's a full time tandem instructor comes up to Nick and asks to do that, one missing is is hard. But several of them start doing it, it becomes very difficult very quickly. So, as a full time instructor at easy, it's typically harder to get away. Sure, typically harder to go to whatever event you want. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the first three years that I was just just AFF only uh-huh. was what I was doing. I missed out on a lot of events that I wanted to go to uh, because I just managed manager at the time was like, "Hey, we can't afford to let you go uh, to that to that event, no matter if it was three months in advance or six months in advance." It was, "Hey, we can't afford to let you off for that time," and so. So as nice as you've gotten some luxuries as becoming an examiner, you still work hard because I know there's I days try. that you <laughs> teach a three-person course. Or th- uh, there's th- times where you teach a three-day course, and those three-day courses you make mm, 75 bucks a day. Yeah. So you don't always make the best money. You still struggle. You still have issues. Uh, but how long did you grind as a full-time staff member before you even got to that point? Oh, man. I mean, hundreds of jumps worth. Uh, I say hundreds, thousands. You, you worked full-time for Spaceland for how long? Uh, let's see. I've been on the drop zone full-time for 10 years now. I worked full time between everything, packing, instructor, mm-hmm. coach. Uh, seven years? Six to seven years. Yeah. And that's a fast track. To, I mean, you know, it's a lot of people see this. I hear a lot of people yeah. say they want to do what you're doing, and I get it. I don't blame them. I've done it. I've done I got it live. Very lucky. You I'm also very grinded lucky. very hard. Yeah. You were very dedicated. You were on the DZ every time you needed to be on the DZ. You had your gaps. You had your issues. So did yeah. I. So did Nick. We've all. Nick's issue is he's too busy on the pull-up bar to go fucking make a 20-minute God, I love pull-ups. Oh, Jesus. my God. You know, you only be cool if you put on a tandem rig and did pull-ups. That's why he gets there at 6 o'clock in the morning so he can do as many as he can how, how many, before we open up. How many pull- You want to have a pull-up contest with tandem rigs on? Would be the first time. Um, 
You could do more pull-ups with hand rigs on than I can do pull-ups, let's, period. Let's have a... Let's you have could do more one-arm pull-ups than I can do pull-ups. I would put $10 on that if we broke my pull-up range into quarters, you could do five pull-ups for every quarter of the way I got up with a tandem rig on. I'm trying to do the math. Hold on. I, I would actually... I would side with Chris. Like I would be... That means out. I think he can do 20 pull-ups mm-hmm. if I get one oh, yeah. with a tandem rig Ugh. on. I say we put tandem rigs on. Don't do more than one. And go for a, and go for a run. Let's do that. Uh, no thanks. Yes. I can't do that either. Yeah, that sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> I ran you know, for maybe a mile. I'm gonna regret it tomorrow. I got a great. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> let's not put tandem rigs on. Just say no to drugs, and let's not go for a run or do pull ups. But let's Fine. have some donuts. High five. So good. It's a kink. Um, <laughs> So it really just hasn't been all uh, uh, pleasure and pleasant. It's been a grind. It's been work. Yeah, I'd say the last 18 months have been more of what I would call an equal balance of pleasure and grind. Like I got to, I I did, I think I did around 30 courses. That's not including canopy courses and single day coaching. Uh, Just actual courses. And I still got to go to three different events. I got to organize at a boogie. Um, I got to just be like, hey, you guys aren't busy on the drop zone today. I'm going to go pull out my 60-square-foot parachute and go rage for the day. Um, I got to do that several times throughout the season last year. But when his boss asks him, and I don't often say boss to you, <laughs> when his boss asks him to go do a belly jump and turn some points, he turns them down. That's fucking bullshit. Man, Nick Nick put on a fucking green student suit. Looked like a fucking total shredder in that. Dude, I had the time of my life on that jump. That was actually a very simple dive flow, but with a lot of good movement, so it was a lot of fun. Dude, I don't care. I don't care how simple the jump is. I don't don't know what's going on. I offered to switch my parachute back over. You know what a 21 is? In, like, four ways? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, minus one person. So you take turns zigzag marquee. Gotcha. Right? So uh, I don't know what that means, but, man, it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. So I offered to switch my parachute back over just for you, and you said, "Nah, don't worry about it." After like I had to talk you into it for five fucking minutes. You should have said, "You should have grabbed the one fifty off the rack, dude." That's what that's what a real friend would do. <laughs> Not after throwing at sixty. <laughs> Man, not every jumps about you, okay? Man, I uh, and I already had a beer at that point, so. I, I've Clearly. been so happy lately that I hate the winds. I've been so happy lately that I look at the forecast and know it's not going to cooperate with me. I was so happy the winds looked kind of shitty for safety day. Um, in part, I like when people don't jump on safety day and partake. And, and Chris, thank you for organizing uh-huh. that. Uh, but I was really most excited because I knew I wouldn't want to jump in that. And I don't want to be the guy jumping on safety day when safety day is going on. So I was like, <laughs> yes, the winds aren't tempting. And uh, it feels good to want to jump. It feels good to to be back at that that desire and watching people land yep. and jump and and wanting to go on a four way with you or a three way or, or uh, man, I, I only need a couple more jumps before I say, hey Nick, let's just go on a two way. And if I say a two way, we're not doing anything but just getting on that plane and calling the break off. Cool, dude. That's those yeah, are my yeah, favorite yeah, jumps. I, you know it. And I've had really fun jumps, uh, really fun jams with you. So, um, but. You become an examiner. So, what's the favorite thing you've done? So, you, you've gotten some time to yourself now. You've, you've gotten some time away. What's the favorite fun jump thing you've done? The favorite getaway thing you've done since you XRW hands down. What is it about XRW? Swoop courses and XRW canopy piloting. Uh, from 
the very, very, very beginning. Back even, like, Nick, you were one of the canopy pilots I used to watch when I first started skydiving. That's so depressing. I'm sorry. You were still flying that 71 chaos that you let me borrow before I had transitioned to a 70, uh, 75 or something like that. I can't remember what what it was when you let me borrow that wing. But, like, that was the one thing that I remember wanting to do as soon as I landed from my first tandem at Spaceland, as soon as I landed from my second tandem at Spaceland, it was like, I want to do what those video guys are doing. I want to fly small, fast, tiny parachutes. And, yeah. And then XRW started becoming a thing. And then I spent three years training on a 71 to learn how to fly a 60. And then I got to go do my first uh, XRW camp. What was that, like two years ago now? Was that after or before COVID? Dude, I, at this point, I never understood how my dad didn't know age, year, date, time. I have, I'm, I've officially given up. How many years well, ago, you tell me. However long ago that was. I want to say was, that was just before the road. I think that was just before the shutdown. Okay, so, yeah. Is that when we started doing XRW camps? Yeah, a little over three years ago. And I remember coming down from the jump, and you walked up to me, and you were like, hey, were you that last group? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, never mind. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what, what everybody was saying. And it was because we were flying a crucifix with no docks. And it, like the formation was super tight. And that was the goal of my group was like fly a super tight formation with no grips. And I just remember like, okay, I finally got into where like the thing. And there's just something really cool about looking at the person next to you being in free fall and just it, everything being so slow and fluid. But then all of a sudden realizing that you're still doing 95 miles an hour at the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like how and forward. Yeah. And forward. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like looking out to the side and presenting a dock and just everything happening so smoothly. And then, yeah, we're still going real fast and I got to land this little piece of napkin over my head. So that's fun. Man, you actually are organizing, uh, XRW at an event soon. Yeah, uh, Revolution Boogie Spaceland Dallas. Yeah, all you wingsuiters that keep telling me to come to Dallas, uh, at least three of you have airplanes. Just fly down to Houston yeah. uh, or San Marcos now. Um, and okay. I'll be up there in Dallas in a couple of months. So. Um, and no promises to all you people out here. I'm just going to spread unfounded rumors. Um, we are looking into the weekend before running a intro to XR or beginner XRW uh, coaching. I want to say camp, but it really is hard to, to call it a camp because the number of participants at the beginner level has to be somewhat controlled. Um, it's a dangerous environment moving at those speeds and those proximities. So um, yes, we are looking at what we can do the weekend before. Uh, 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 what's the name of Revolution Boogie? Yep. To to help cater to some of you newer and, and not just newer um, uh, new decks or W people, but people who have some experience and want to get it to the next level. And we're going to see what we can do that weekend before. The coaches from from uh, Gravity Lab are talking about it. Uh, Chris being one of them. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're getting on that. So I'm 100% promises. in. What, what <laughs> wing loading are you talking about? Like, as, as like that, look, you need to be here. Like, that to girl. start flying with some of those bigger wing suits or, you know, just some of the, like, where do you, I mean, where's the entry gate, right? With the right wing suitors, 3233. Three, three. Oh, wow. You can get started there. <laughs> that's crazy that that's an entry gate for anything. Yeah. And and if you're at three two three three as the canopy pilot, you are the weak link. Like everybody is not on, like in every XRW jump, everybody's flying to the canopy pilot, but they're having to work that much harder to get 
to you and slow down enough to stay aloft with you. Three five is where they seem to be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit happier, and anything above that, the wingsuiters just love it. It's a party at that point. Gotcha. The wingsuiters love DQ. Straight they love me too right now. Yeah, are you are you there now? Um, three six five without lead. What's the highest wing loading you've flown and landed, Mister Nick? I guess you probably know. God, not not that high, man. Yeah. Two two seven. Two nine is mine. It's because I ordered a canopy for two seven, and when it showed up, I was at two nine cake, um, <laughs> and uh, I got back to to below that. But holy fuck! Yeah, it's uh, it three feels one, like that parachute yeah. wants to fall right out of the sky. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine what uh, above three feels like. No, Ed with. The wings that we have right now, especially the full sail wings, uh, uh, the HK2 shout out fluid wings, uh, they fly. They fly really well. Um, and they glide forever, which is nice. So when you're planning an XRW jump, mm-hmm. the flight path that you take, how planned is it? Like as far as, hey, we're going to do this angle out of the airplane, we're going to fly this direction for this long, and then the, the shape that you make over the ground, how planned is that? Well... First of all, I'm going to look at what the jump one's doing in the first place, and then I'm going to come up with probably three different flight plans mm-hmm. because, you know, you, you know, being the manager at the, at the drop zone, we can't always ask for that special jump run to get us in the most ideal spot as an XRW jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I come up with two or three different flight pa- plans, and when I come up with those flight plans, I'm looking for outs mainly. Um, I'm looking for where is my canopy going to go if I chop, which is ridiculously expensive. Um, looking for what's what's our line going to take us over for break off for where the wingsuiters are breaking off. Do they have a safe margin to break off? And if they have a malfunction, do they have a safe place to land? Um, and I'm usually putting that break off spot a little bit outside and a little bit past the drop zone just to make sure we're clear of everybody's airspace and stuff uh, under normal circumstances. So does that answer your question? Yeah. That went way deeper than no. It's a good answer, and I like that. There's some complexity to it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, uh, you know, we're kind of going through the process of making movement jumps of all sorts more restricted as far as right. who, who can lead those jumps. And I don't know how similar the planning stages are for I, you know. I've participated in quite a number of movement jumps. I've led very few, mm-hmm. but enough to start to understand some of the complexities. That uh, really experienced people are are planning and or the, the, all the considerations they're making, right? And all the nuanced parts that take a high level of uh, experience and understanding to even bring into the conversation. Yeah. And I'm wondering how, <laughs> if if wingsuiters and, and canopy pilots are thinking about it the same way. Most of us are, and if the uh, at least I am for sure. Uh, the the wingsuiters that maybe haven't thought far enough into it as soon as you bring it up they're like oh that's a great point i'm not Mm -hmm. yeah we shouldn't do this jump because it's already risky enough doing what we're doing now we're adding even more risk into it let's not for example have our break off be planned over the swamp Mm -hmm. you know with no outs if anything goes wrong you know things like that i feel like there's kind of this generation of uh you know, wingsuiters, especially people who are let's solo wingsuiter who just are trying to get a lot of time aloft. Those right. people have for so long opened so far above the other traffic mm-hmm. that I think the problems that uh, are becoming more apparent with especially uh, tracking movement groups. Okay, yeah. With pe- with horizontal jumps, I just don't think that those things presented themselves right away. 
And now I think with um, the faster descent rates, with things like XRW, things yeah. like you know aerobatic wingsuit flight, and the yeah. movement that's connected to that, I, I feel like some issues that weren't present in the early days of wingsuiting are showing up. And I worry about the people who learned what they know about wingsuiting in those days and the jumps that they're planning and going along with now that there might be kind of an information gap. There probably is, especially if they're trying to get into the XRW side as well. Because it's a it's a completely different flight environment than just doing a normal wingsuit jump. I mean, that seems obvious, but yeah. you could probably expand on, on what that means to be a completely different environment. Well, your typical wingsuit jump's going to get out on a normal jump run they're kind of crank 45 degrees out of the uh, out of the airplane off the line of flight then they're gonna form more or less a hook on their way back parallel to uh parallel to the drop zone in an ideal situation we're having the pilot take us out two or three miles and then we're immediately coming back as soon as we got off you know get out of the airplane immediately coming back well, okay, within ten to fifteen seconds. No, but you uh, just the motion with your hand confused me. You guys are facing back with the line of flight again, like to go further away from the drop zone, or now you're heading back towards the drop zone. So the the pilot will usually take us out two and a half, three miles, depending on what the uppers are doing. Mm-hmm. Hang a ninety degree left turn. Mm-hmm. We get out and just fly parallel to jump run on the way back. Okay. Sorry, I didn't wasn't very clear on the first no, first no. time around there. When you said then we fly back, it was just the motion of your hand that I misunderstood. That, oh, are you guys flying further away at first? Is that part of the plan is to get more distance before you start coming home? If we have to, and I would only use that just with my experience uh, in the XRW community, I would only use that particular flight plan with the right wingsuit pilots, like that are capable of keeping up with dynamic uh, dynamic lines like that, because. Uh, the canopy I'm playing, I do a 180, I'm going to burn through 2,000 feet, probably, give or take. Just a, a, like a slow carving 180 to get us back on a good line to make sure we're going to make it home. It's a, It'd be very tricky if you didn't know it was coming for the wingsuit pilot. At least I would think. I've never actually flown a wingsuit, so... <laughs> So, do you know much about the wingsuit side of it? Like we've you talked about three point three being kind of the entry point for uh, yep. for the canopy pilots. I've had a lot of really good conversations with uh, uh, Kimball is one of them. Uh, Ryan Leeper, you mentioned him. Uh, the Megasons up in uh, Dallas had a lot of really good conversations with them about how the wings fly, how the wingsuits are matching up with different kinds of wings and different wing loadings. So, a lot of the information that I've actually talking about is stuff that I've talked about with them, mainly. The canopy pilot's kind of viewed as the leader of the jump, right? Oh, yeah. So, Have you ever, ever talked to wingsuiters? They don't look at their altimeters. They don't look at the ground. Yeah, I, I <laughs> you, just said you, had a, you had a good conversation with, with Kimball. I kind of tuned out. <laughs> Touche. I do see them from the ground. They look pretty big in those wingsuits. <laughs> Have you seen the cold print of my wingsuit, brah? That's about as far as they can get. Yeah. Sure, like the print on his belt buckle, if you know what I'm saying. I do. Hey, I do. Uh, so, up, Chris? you as the as the leader of this XRW jump, mm-hmm. how are you deciding what wingsuiters you're allowing to come on the jump or not? Uh, at my experience level, it's either people that I've flown with in the camps before, or know know really well that they have plenty of XRW experience and they're not going to hurt me. Um, if it's somebody that's never done it before, I'm going to make sure that there's somebody that has 
uh, plenty of XRW experience to lead them in. And then they're going to be on the outside, outside slot. Like they're going to be pretty far away from me until they show me that they can fly smooth and quiet in the slot, you know, not be anywhere near my wing, not touch my lines, that kind of stuff. The scary things. So when you're when you're making a dock with a wingsuiter, mm-hmm. this looks uh, very precarious to me. I mean, just mm-hmm. knowing on a uh, my parachute loaded at two point five is normal for me. I know how little of a movement it takes for me to make a radical change in direction. Okay. So what do you when you're uh, offering a dock out to a wingsuiter? What are you what are you focused on? Okay. Um, let, let me let me lay a little bit of foundation. When you're when you're when you're pinned out head down, mm-hmm. how much work does it take? To slow down just a little bit. Small movements, very little. Tiny movement, okay? So I don't know if you're going to be able to see this in the camera, but depending on how hard the wingsuit is working, I can present the grip this way or this way Mm -hmm. and slow it down or speed it up to help them however I need to. Mm -hmm. So it is that tiny movement because you got to remember, like DJ pointed out, we're doing 95 miles an hour. We're doing slow belly speeds. All of those movements are affecting how the parachute flies. So by sticking my arm out, this is drag that is now torquing the parachute that I now have to outfly. Palm to the wind like a wall. Yeah. Or even even here, and I'm wearing a baggy jersey to manage my forward speed or something, you know, whatever. I still have to manage that amount of drag that is sticking out of my arm now. I can speed up or slow down the wing by how far I put my legs down. I can change the pitch of the wing by how much I cut the air with my legs. You know, it, very, very technical flying. It's fun. DQ wore a belly suit backwards because it had good big RW grippers. Yeah. And the grippers, if you look at a proper like competition suit, the top side or the back is your walking or top is your belly to earth. Or the grippers are big cups, so I can just jam my hand in there and grab a grip. They don't need to be aerodynamic from the back side for belly flyers. So DQ put on a belly suit backwards and had these giant fucking air brakes on his legs. It was hilarious. And it worked. Oh, it worked, it worked brilliantly. And, and that's one thing I love about DQ is he doesn't give a fuck. He's going to dress for success. Like, if this is what's going to make the jump work, I'm going to fucking do it. Let's go. Yep. And uh, he's not going to worry about looking cool or looking the best, although he does have his own fashion sense. I if you call what he has fashion sense. Um, He's got his own style. Dude, you know, I'm proud DQ's uh, getting interested in watches and proper watches. He is interested in wearing a nice watch nice. someday. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to watch your, your buddy, like, take interest in the things you, you have. So it's cool to watch him starting to dress up. And, uh, yeah, it'd be cool to see him at the big boy dinner. On you guys are nerds. Out. We're fucking nerds, dude, man. <laughs> I like it a lot. You say that, and I was just nerding out about how technical it was to fly a parachute. I mean, no, it's the world. That's we're what the show is about. Like, <laughs> we're all nerds. <laughs> we're all nerds. So I've heard, I've heard some, some rumors of, uh, of XRW, there's there being some sort of competitive um, aspect to that, and them trying to push kind of the, uh, you know, like sequential, like the uh, it, almost like they do with crew. Yeah, I only know what I've talked to with DQ about, and it's going to be basically two man teams, like Canopy Pilot with Wingsuiter, and it'll be things like hand dock left, hand dock right, surf dock, backfly surf dock, back you know, back by hand, back, you know, whatever, sure. whatever the draw is that you could come up with from that. Um, I'm not 
particularly sure. knowledgeable about it. I'm not particularly interested in it because I still think it's <laughs> freaking amazing when you have, you know, five wingsuiters flying in perfect slots with no contact, you know, cruising a formation at the ground. It's I think it's pretty freaking sexy. <laughs> Man, when I started skydiving, wingsuiting still wasn't a real thing. It, it had been it was experimental. A few people did it. It was there was not a suit on the market yet. Yeah. Um, and then wingsuiting became a real thing. And then eventually two guys were able to fly relative to each other. And now there is a community of people doing this. Yes. And it's amazing to see the evolution of the sport in, in that process. So, um, your favorite thing you've got to do, and I'm sorry, I, I want to get to some different topics as we go along and I don't want to run out of time. Uh, what is the favorite work thing that you now do? Like it, what? You're already there. Favorite work thing. Um, I have to say it is still AFFI courses because as much of a struggle as they are, uh, everyone is a struggle for its own different reason, its own different way. Uh, but the last day when I get to shake hands with the, the AFF instructor that is now rated, like, like, hey, welcome to the big leagues kind of thing. Like, it's, it's awesome to get to be able to share that first handshake with somebody and welcome them into like the hardcore of hardcore belly flying, you know, man, the only thing I think you're really missing is an AFF examiner is, is, and it's just something that is what it is. And in our environment is working at a drop zone. That's two, eight, two instructor jumps and going out with your candidates and doing their first AFF jumps with them regularly. And then getting to nurture them and carry them through two AFFI jumps on a regular basis you know, yeah, you know, imagine landing, and I say imagine this, you know this is part of the STP mentor program for Spaceland, but uh, imagine this on a regular basis. As soon as you land with, with, your, with the senior AFFI, you are debriefing that AFFI, like, hey, this is what I saw, this is what I understood, this is what I would tell the student, I'm debriefing you, then either I or you talk the student down while we're training and coaching you on further and bettering those skills. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, we do have things to accommodate that in Space Lens Mentor Program, and I, I really appreciate the STP mentors who do a good job at it. Um, I wish all the uh, STP mentors would, would recognize the betterment it is for their students. Yeah. And that student is the guy who's going to cut you off and piss you off in 50 jumps from now. And <laughs> the asshole is you because you never gave them adequate training. Just, uh, you know, if you're an instructor out there, consider that for real. I mean, yep. for absolute real, man. It's I, I watch daily instructors who shit on somebody for the way they flew. And I know that instructor doesn't teach that segment of instruction well. I'm like, come on, dude. But you can't say things to those people. Speaking of them, he's back. Right. He is back. Oh, no, go go back go back out there, Nick, and grab the tin of chocolates from PIA. Yeah, please. Oh, please and bring me one of those cold things you're about to grab. Which one do you want? Uh, the coldest ones. Are either ones colder than the other? I'll take one from the bottom shelf. Where he's, yeah, we're not looking at beer. Dude, so I poured a glass of scotch before we sat down, and I got done. I'm like, man, that went by pretty quick, and holy shit. Man, I guess I didn't pour as much scotch as I thought because, A, it went by pretty quick, and, B, oh, there it just hit me. It was as much as I thought. <laughs> I just chugged a, 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 a thing of, of, of scotch. So, 
Uh, can, can I make a quick shameless plug for the Rainy Center? Uh, so oh, please kind of do. Speaking on what you're talking about with the <laughs> canopy side. Uh, this hasn't been said in a really, really long time, but uh, hey, if you're an SCP instructor that works at Skydive Spaceland, you are welcome to join me in any basic canopy course. Uh, come hang out. Just get a refresher on the basics of how we train all that stuff. I would like to throw a caveat into that. Um <laughs> If you are a uh, STP instructor with Skydive Spaceland, or if you've ever got your AFF rating or any of your instructor ratings from the rating center, you're welcome to attend most any basic canopy course. Uh, we will always Keep want to most. ask first because sometimes the canopy coach isn't ready to have somebody in with them. Uh, they might be newer to the job. They might be in a stressful point. Uh, they might have a very full course. Um, there's reasons why the the the, the the course director might want to have step away or we might have students that we want to limit the audience for. And when I say that you don't want to sit through that hell. Um, <laughs> Thank so, you for correcting me. Yeah, sorry. No, sorry, but we, we do say <laughs> no on occasion. It is extremely rare that we've said no, but usually when we say no, it is either for the coaches edification or your own, because I promise you yep. when those students are in that classroom you don't want to be in that class and they don't no. we don't need any more drama or stress in their life because they create enough on their own. And this is why who's the boss ladies and gentlemen. No, this is why I have a shitload more experience than you. Fair um, <laughs> I'm not the boss. Uh Katie is the boss. Oh that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. When's the last time you actually saw me really run the rating center? It's at pre COVID? Uh, no, COVID, no, no, when you were still current as a, when you were I still hired, current. I hired Katie after COVID. Um, and I'm super proud to say, when's the last time you saw me do it? Because I'm super proud of the team. You guys are doing a good job. It was the court, it was the course that I administrated just after COVID. That was the last time I saw you actually be the boss of the drop zone. Mm -hmm. And you guys have done a great job running away with it. I really appreciate seeing that amongst our whole community, man, because yeah. we have a great team. Rainson has a great team. We do. And I, and I say that, I mean the whole drop zone. Because the Boyds have put together a wonderful place for us to play. And there have been quite a few people who have invested in it over the years. Nick, I think, would be proud to say he's one of those people, and I would agree. Um, I once told Steve that um, I will argue nobody cares more for the student program at Spaceland than I do. Um, he cares equally as much as I do. Mm. I will not say I care more than him, um, but nobody cares more than him or I. And he actually agreed with me when I told him that, which I really appreciated because I pour my heart and blood into it. Mm. And to see what the team doing there is, to see the future we've trained and we raised behind, it, it's great. And Nick, thank you for helping further that. So, man, I, I wish I could take any sort of credit for how great that program is. I think I can take a little bit of credit for putting effort into keeping the people that make the team there as great as it is. That's a huge effort. But uh, man, you stand on the on the shoulders of giants in that in that role. Oh and, man, uh, I'm happy that you guys have laid such a great groundwork for me. We're surrounded by it, man. This this so this whole PIA trip has been very good, uh, great for me to see. Um, I I, uh, I sit back and I'll tell you this this last trip at PIA I've taken a lot of pride in this last trip for myself and, and I hate the word pride because it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous word but I feel very good about this sense of pride because I look around at the PIA team man the, the at PIA the LBL Timiters team 
consisted of Jeffro Provenzano, Luke Akins. They're always there. They're fucking our mainstays. Roberta as well. Those three are our three mainstays. They've been there longer than everybody. They are the rock stars. We've missed a few different players. Uh, uh, L Dub, uh, L Dub. Uh, thank you, Laura Wagner. Um, <laughs> has moved on to bigger and brighter pastures. Man, the girl has got has finished her has finished school. Got her uh, PhD in, in physical therapy. She is she's moving forward with a brilliant life, and we missed her there. But it, she it was it's a new chapter. And then in, in that new chapter, we brought in two joy riders, a, a ladies European team, absolutely phenomenal group of ladies in the world. If you've never heard of Anna Mo- Moxness, look up the episode of Anna Moxness on this show, and it's just a brilliant look into an absolutely wonderful lady, uh, Domi Keeger, if you, uh, from France, um, uh, uh, Sharon, uh, Pil- just, just a brilliant group of ladies. We had uh, Louisa Christensen and Jenny Noren, Sweden and Denmark representatives from Joyriders, uh, join the team. And uh, Nick Lott, Katie Van Lowe, and Ivy Brewer all joined the uh, LB Altimeters team. And I was really proud to, to watch my Houston hooligans represent. Um, to watch Chris represent. To they watch, did an awesome job. Uh, j- just to watch what you guys all did, man. It made me proud to know the work we've put in as a group, group and a unit. So, so Nick, what, what's, I want to know what your favorite part of PIA was. <laughs> man, it's, it's really hard to, to pick a I'm, favorite. I'm sure. But, you know, but behind, it's, 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 it being your first full PIA, like what stood out to you the most? As You know, I think that it's neat to see how big the skydiving industry really is. I think when you spend so much time at just one drop zone, you can feel like that's the only place that the world is like this, you know? So it's cool to just connect with people who share a similar lifestyle just at, at different places. That's pretty neat. The diversity of people there is cool. There, uh, you know, I like that skydiving as a sport tends to just weed out shitheads. <laughs> so there are not a lot of them there. It's, you know, mostly people who have, uh, They've uh, spent quite a bit of time in the sport already and have not been weeded out. So how great is that chocolate, by the way? Dude, I ate a half a box of that shit by myself. Okay, this is my favorite part of PA. The first day after everybody had set up, and I'm sitting there at our booth by myself editing for a few hours to get out the first video. Dude, I went through half a box of those chocolates that just made your eyes light up all by myself. That shit was thoroughly good. As good or better than donuts. I'm literally over here derailing his thought <laughs> no, because of the I look on my face after my, my favorite two things in life to talk about are exercise and treats. So <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah, candy. Hell yeah, chocolate. You know what I did before? So I told Chris I was on my way home driving to head home and I called Sam because you you know hey honey I'm coming home and she said don't you have the podcast man shit <laughs> and it was you know 5:30 and so I had an hour and a half to burn before coming here and I hadn't been to Cineholic for a while so I went there and had uh some Cineholic is this more chocolate holy shit it's the best day of my life all of a sudden I had uh wow. two Cineholic cinnamon rolls before I came over here and, uh, yeah, you can see I'm still eating. This is a problem. Uh, but, no, really, the, the people are really great at PIA. It's great to see old friends, people that you haven't uh, seen in a while, see the way that people grow in your in your time apart. And, man, it was great to just be there and be, be part of the team, feel like I had a purpose, feel like I was contributing to other people's enjoyment of the event with the things that, that I was making. And uh, I did see a couple seminars that were pretty neat. You guys brought up Jay Stokes. He had a great presentation about special needs tandems, which is a thing that we 
do sometimes, and it's a hard place to gain experience inside of others. And he gave a really great presentation. Uh, Dan BC gave a great presentation called How to Stay Alive, which uh, I think was probably the only seminar that I sat in start to finish. Maybe maybe I did two start to finish. But, man, really great uh, guy, super smart. I, I like the way that he presents information and his overall message of fighting complacency, I think, is something that uh, skydiving needs and kind of echoes my own thoughts and observations as a manager. So uh, that was a, a highlight as well. And, man, the dinners that we had as our little LB group are pretty great. You know, I'm not the sort that enjoys... Uh, well, not, maybe not enjoys that, that has a craving for the finer things like that. But, man, to just feel like you're somebody's guest and like you're... Your enjoyment is the thing that they're after. It makes it easy, easier to indulge, you know. Uh, so it was one. It was it was a good little group, and uh, it was cool to spend some time with my friends. DJ, I want to know yours because you talk about it all the time. But um, man, I already I already mentioned. Chocolates, it, I, by I, the way, you're welcome. Um, that's Valentine's Day chocolates. Sorry, they're a little bit late. That's all right. Um, we had a shipment loss. You know the Christmas silver disc. The silver disc with assorted chocolates in it. Yes, yes. Same, same, same package. Oh, yeah, problems. Yeah. Those things are the shit. I'm glad Chris is leaving, so I'm about to talk about them. Sweet. Um, um, for me, it really it, it's the people said and done. Um, uh, I so uh, Jacob from LMB uh, dubbed us the Houston Hooligans because I have uh, Ivy there. Um, we, we've shared Ivy is working full time for LB Altimeters now in a, in a support co- uh, coordinator uh, role. She is absolutely crushing it, but it was her first times getting to meet the owners of the company um, and getting to talk to them and getting to know them. So that was really a good thing to see. But then also she was there working with us as the team and uh, she will not agree with this, but she was the hardest working person there. Oh. We all worked hard in our own different ways. Like Nick was the hardest working video person there. Um, and stay constantly busy doing that. Um, I have my own constant juggles and things that I was working hard at. Um, Jeff was, you know, we all had our own thing, but I think she really ultimately worked the hardest. Um, she was our Johnny on the spot. She knew where everything was at. She was in inventory control at a question, a moment's notice. I could just motion and, and, and get to her or Stefan could or any of us could and ask her for something and she took care of it. She did, she, she guided traffic. So to, to watch her shine. And, and one of the biggest moments is when we dropped her off at the airport, she gave Stefan and Jacob, the owners of LB Altimeters, a hug goodbye. And, uh, you know, girls and guys in general have a hug where it's like, oh, it's a hug. And then we have an embrace. And if you know Ivy, you know that there's a good embrace. And she embraced the owners and they embraced her back. And it was absolutely joyous to see. Uh, Katie absolutely stood out. Uh, Stefan uh, and I spent a week together after PIA and he spoke of both ladies highly. Uh, Nick's video work stood out, um, and just to see how, as per usual, yeah, my friends shined and how my friends were appreciated and respected and, and given that love and that shine. Chris Fudala and watching him stand. Uh, Chris not only got praise from my, my mentor, but USPA in the AFF examiner meeting is talking about creating new training protocols in AFF courses where we teach candidates to cross pull. And what that means 
is imagine I'm on a single instructor AFF jump. I have an AFF student. I'm docked on their left side, which is their reserve side, or the side with a reserve handle. So my right hand is on their hip. My left hand can smack them in the head if I need to. Don't smack <laughs> students in the head. Just an illustration. To pull, we have an auxiliary release handle, but really I can reach across and throw the pilot chute. But there are very bad ways to do it. Um, I've actually seen a young lady throw a pilot chute between my legs that way because of the burble. There are dangers of it. There are pros. There are cons. And there's ways to do it. So we've trained it, and we've trained it well. Um, don't grip switch, Nick. It is bad idea. If you grip switch, you actually lose control of the student and the potential of their face swinging into your feet, Please. swinging into your face. So my hand signal hand becomes my pull hand? Yeah. Correct. <laughs> That's yeah. correct. You might want to, uh, the board has number, uh, six on it, uh, or the computer on it if you wanted to. Yep. Okay. Um, but then I'm losing the heel board. Ooh. Um, <laughs> um, oh yeah. Um, I was washing his hand. I was washing his hands and I was like, that's wrong. Do that. So as USPA was wanting to talk about this, I actually called upon Chris to speak up and present how we teach it and how we do it because they know it's something we've done for quite a long time. And so to watch my homie, my friend, you know, I said protege earlier and, I, and really it's recently that came to my mind and I hope you don't mind I say that. Um, but to, to be more correct, they didn't exactly call me out, but they did kind of. Okay. They welcomed your conversation. Yes. And, and, but, but to see my friends represent that way. And that was just some of my close friends. You saw how many people there I know and, and know me and to watch the community that we're around and to see how well these people around me are doing and, and seeing the people I've supported be successful has helped me feel good about my decisions in life. Um, man, I would, I, I so, I was so proud of seeing the community around me at PIA. That's what I was really proud of. Uh, man, just what, what a bunch of great people. Um, the, the LB altimeters team, we had such a phenomenal team this year. Uh, you know, you, you always have a little bit of stress. Somebody's grumpy or somebody's got some personal drama that's affecting their mood. Um, that's, 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 it is what it is. Some people are just straight up drama queens. Um, I don't think we've had that part in a long time, but there, there's always something. And this year was the first time in a long time that I think the LB team has seen no inter issue, interpersonal issues or conflict and quite a bit of love. And I was having baby mama drama the whole time. Uh, <laughs> Didn't look like it. That's not true. Everything was great. It was so fun. <laughs> so I know when stressed I've been. I, in the one night he was remember. having baby mama drama. It was the night you were sitting in Lestrada in the corner editing video, and we kept inviting you to the table. I understand you were having baby mama drama then. No, dude. I was. One, I just wanted to have, I want to make a play button. I was only invited to one of those dinners, and I absolutely agree with what Nick was saying. Like it was crazy to have that same sensation. Like that. that it's a family. One of, one of the highlights of, of, of my time there, for sure. When, when people picture the LB dinner, they picture it's a party. Um, and I understand why, because they look at the number of people we invite or the number of people we are in, we are in general and who some of the people are in general. Um, would you say it was ever a party? It's dinner. It it's, is a but it's, family it's dinner. Not, it's, there's a lot of wine. It's dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of wine, but it's definitely dinner. <laughs> Man, it, yeah, the number of uh, cheersings that happen. I don't I, even know what the plural is. I stopped counting after the first to like, Toasting? I, yeah. I stopped counting after the first case. case. It was uh, between uh, Roberta and Jacob. There was always one going on. And every now yeah. and then one of us would throw one out because we, we wanted to or needed to for somebody. But if all of us threw one out here and there, 
and literally just threw out one. That's 11 toasts in a night. Now you get Jacob and Roberta just randomly going, Salute! Skull! Oh, cheers! Come by! That was pretty cool. Because uh, I was there for the first one, like Roberta ordering all those really beautiful Italian appetizers. Oh, those were amazing. Thanks, Roberta. Lestrada was good mm-hmm. to us. Uh, the third night we were there, they had their head chef, and they brought they, they planned the appetizers for us, and he gave us off-menu appetizer, appetizers. And her, him and Roberta spent some time together chatting in the kitchen, and it, it was a beautiful place. They, they, they were good to us. You were about to say something, Sherard? No, I was just, I, I just, you know, going back to, to PA, Rita <laughs> Meg PA. What, uh, new seminars, new, new topics that were brought up? What was kind of the, kind of the, you know, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but, you know, how are they kind of pushing, you know, progressing forward as far as... Uh, text talk there about movement jumps and that's awesome. movement jumps in a way that's geared much towards uh, drop zones and operations and handling those movement jumps. I know he spoke twice. I was in the first one, which was like 8 a.m. first first day, oh, and there were not many people there. I mean, the, maybe the, there were 25 uh, attendees, not a ton. But uh, the second time he spoke, it was like standing room only. Like there wow. were people crammed in yeah. there. So I, you know, I think that they're still doing a good job of finding people like Tex who are on the cutting edge of whatever part of skydiving it is, and. Uh, Man, all, all of the, I wasn't bored through any of the seminars I sat through. That's Again, awesome. ha- having a camera and being focused on collecting footage because that's what I was, that's what they were paying me to do there. I didn't spend any one time in any, uh, or any uh, long periods of time in any one place. So I was always moving around, but man, everything was bringing good information. Not very cool. Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's an easy perspective to answer because I've been going to them for a while. And I'll say, I don't think I've ever really been bored in any uh, seminar at PIA. They've always been great, but I've been an industry person who is interested in the insides of the industry. Um, but Nick hit the nail on the head. Uh, the PIA committee, the symposium committee, has really recognized the, the need to attract fun jumpers more. And they realize uh, the best way to do it, or one way to do it, is through better seminars for the fun jumpers. And um, uh, Texas was an example, but there were several other, and I think Chris can probably tell some of them. Um, and, and some of these seminars, in my mind, cross over from years past, but they're quite the evolution where they were more industry examiner, uh, uh, high level based, where now they're speaking to so, to a point that that's not below anybody. Anybody can gain from it from from early levels to late levels. So. The, 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 uh, I, I don't know the name of, I, I didn't go to seminars this year, but I had a lot of meetings. Um, and when I say meetings, I had a handful of meetings between seminars and then I had, was the personal chauffeur and personal shopper for a couple <laughs> Danish men. <laughs> I went to Shields five times. Have you been to a Shields? Uh, I have. Um, Holy just fuck. because of the, of Berna and, and they're one of our, they're, they're a big deal for us in, in some some regions. So oh, Holy fuck, dude. I was trying to explain Shields to Ivy and Katie because uh, Jacob and I were taking them there. And I, I wanted to say, uh, imagine a Dick's Sporting Goods and a Bass Pro Shop combined. But I had explained it to him that way once already. And I wanted to explain it to him differently, but I couldn't get there. So I was like, imagine Dick's. Uh, <laughs> God. Imagine Dick's. <laughs> And I guess I said it three or four times before the three of them started giggling before they were all <laughs> picturing penises. <laughs> imagine dicks. Uh, um, imagine 
Imagine dicks. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Josh, there were there was uh, six ballrooms uh, from eight o'clock to four p.m. every day. <laughs> so the the you know the just some Shields trivia out there is confirmed. So Shields Shields is every employee is is technically an owner. So like every employee at Shields has ownership. Um, so like th- their first day they get. You know, uh, small shares. Yeah, small share of the company, and I, I mean, they're considered like they, you know, it's 100 percent employee owned company. So, just an interesting like you don't see that a lot so, anymore, but just an interesting company, especially their size that still does. Have it. you been in a shields as a burner guy, and them not know that you're a burner guy and watch yes. the way the what do you think of their staff's level of training and customer service? Uh, it just, it kind of depends. I mean, I, I've, I've been to a couple where it's, it's, it's been pretty different. So, um, but, uh, customer service has always been great. Um, th- th- that I've, you know, back in the, back in the like, gun counters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, but, um, knowledge has been kind of a, you know, not consistent. The, uh, so I, I asked that because the customer service in the one in Reno actually in Sparks just outside of Reno, um, holy Fuck, man! I thought I was getting a hand job while they were doing their job. I mean, they were super good. They were it's super not the first polite. time you've talked about hand jobs today. I'm, I'm in need of one. It's I, obvious. I spent two weeks on the road. I, I need a notepad <laughs> to, to make tallies about all the dick jokes we've made. Um, you know, you ask them a question. They like at some point we're done with knives and like, hey, Jacobs, like, do you, where do you guys have Mister Your Ranch, such and such? And the guys points in a direction. And Jacob's like, well, how, where is it? And the guy goes, oh, no, let me walk you to it. And the guy just walks us there and asks some more questions. At some point, the guy goes, actually, you know what? You're kind of going past my point of knowledge. We have a mystery branch expert. Let me bring him over. I'm killing time while these dudes are doing this. So I'm like, oh, shoe shop. I always need a new pair of shoes. Like, I really, and I mean shoes, like good, normal, everyday shoes. And I go in the shoe section. I found a pair of Asics I really like. They're really good for my knees. Bad. It's just what I wear. I see the first young lady who's going to help me, like, hey, want to try these in nine and a half, but interested in, in these other models, uh, Brooks and, and Hoka, if, you, if you're familiar with them. Um, how do they compare and what should I be looking at? Well, do you know uh, why you choose Asics and do you know what models you wear? And I said, well, and I started with model. Uh, what models are like, I mean, I think Kimula, I just named a couple things that I thought she goes, cool. So before you say anything else, this is why you wear them. This is what you have with your feet. These are the things you're going for. I'm like, yeah, she's like, anything else I'm missing? I'm like, yeah, I think I have this little, she's like, okay. Immediately was able to take me to shoes, explain me through everything, offer me to try their shoes. And, and after I put them on, she would ask me to formulate my opinion. And then she'd tell me what my opinion was before asking. I'm like, man, these fucking people know what they're doing. And, uh, I found out like the next day, cause we literally went there five fucking days. Um, she was, it was her second week that she was freshly trained and that the shoe department is all managed by a former pod- podiatrist who just manages the shoe department of a fucking giant sporting goods shoe store. Um, fucking geniuses with shoes there. I was gonna say that was some real wolf on Wall Street stuff, kind of, kind of like salesman stuff. Oh, for sure, man. No, yeah. Stefan and I bought a shitload of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, he, yeah, no, we, what was the most difficult part of PIA? Deciding what shoes to get at Shields because there was a very persuasive young lady salesperson. <laughs> what was, what was the most difficult part of PIA? That actually is a legitimate question. What was? What was? Logistics? Oh, yeah, we had some logistic issues. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, without going into too much detail, Stefan and I went to Arizona right afterwards for CPS uh, Military Open House. And we were having massive issues with our shipment from Denmark to that show. And we really needed the ship for that open house there. And solving that problem, thank you very much, Mr. Sherrard. Uh, I was able to call Josh. Josh, ship all our sport shit out to here. It's not what we want, but it is what will work for us. Uh, Josh got on the fly. He got it there on time for us. Uh, we were still able to resolve our own issues. So said and done, we, we didn't need Josh's help, but, but I, I think having that help put us at enough calm to manage the other problem because we knew we had a resolution worked. Um, the, we, Stefan and I were in my hotel room at like 7 a.m. We'd both been up earlier, two different mornings to resolve, resolve that problem. So our, our biggest issue was logistics of just managing and running stuff. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. It's just a lot of gear to take around. It's a lot of the, mm-hmm. you know, the booth and all of that to move in, to move out, especially when you're backing it up with CPS too. And now we're having to move it from one place to the other. It's, it's a lot, man. Uh, the logistics is always the kind of the monster in them. The Venetian was difficult. The Venetian was very difficult. That was a struggle. Is that, oh, that's where CPS was? No. Oh. <laughs> Stefan and I stayed at the Venetian on our, between Reno oh, and, right. and Arizona. Oh, yeah. Is that just a humble brag snuck in there? No, it, no, it's so, it's, it's, uh, it was just, most hotel rooms in Vegas are really nice at this point in life. So when you went from the Reno hotel room to the Venetian, you were in a great place. Yeah. In an absolutely great place. Um, so, no, it, it was fun, man. What was your, uh, favorite part of PIA, Mr. Fudala? <laughs> Um, that's easy. Uh, unknowingly meeting Ian Bobo. <laughs> oh, that was cool. <laughs> sure. That was like a really, that was just a fun thing that happened. So I was, uh, uh, at one of the seminars, uh, it was a Shannon Pilcher seminar. It was a, a leadership workshop. Uh, so I don't really want to call it a seminar cause it, he had like exercises to do in there and just, it was, uh, it was really fun. And, it was again, it was one of those first thing in the morning. There's not a lot of people in the room. And so instead of doing his normal plan, he was like, Hey, uh, everybody just get up and go sit next to somebody that you don't know. And so I just looked yeah. around and right behind me, didn't know him at the time, didn't know who it was. So I just hopped a row back and was like, Hi, my name's Chris. And he introduces himself and says, Oddly enough, my name is Chris as well, but I go by Ian. And I still hadn't put two and two together. And so we were listening to. Shannon's talk, Shannon Pilcher's talk, and, you know, he goes through the thing, and then we begin the exercise, and I go first, and Ian goes second, and we're just talking, and then all of a sudden, my head just kind of twitches, and my eye kind of starts twitching, because I've heard this voice before, I've heard this syntax before, I've heard the way this person speaks before, and it wasn't, it was, uh, I realized it was, I had seen a video of him advertising for the USPA international skydiving hall of fame and it was ian bobo and so i go hey are you ian bobo and he's like yeah yeah i'm ian bobo i was like you know my really good friend heath richardson and then that started a whole waterfall of like yeah i know heath yeah we were ogpd factory team again and uh, yeah so is that guy up there he's ogpd factory team too hey stop by the flight one booth you know sometime this week and we're introduce you to jmo and then we'll just send a picture to heath and so that was really cool. I mean, that was the shortened, more condensed version of it, but that was one of the coolest moments ever. Like getting to meet all three of, well, not all three, but, you know, three of my top canopy idols in the sport of skydiving. Three of the greatest ever. Yeah. 
three of the yeah. Fab Five. I mean, there yeah. wasn't a Fab Five at that moment, but three. I mean, the three. The, you you have now met the four OG PD Factory team members. Yeah. I mean that. That's it's super. Like blew my brain, and mm. the thing that was even more fun about it was I had no clue who I was sitting next to for the first five minutes of our interaction. It was it was that was it's, awesome. It's also neat that there are a handful of people who listen to the show who know Heath Richardson as a chief pilot of Spaceland Dallas yep. and have no clue he's OG Factory Team. Yeah, he is the original fourth team member. It was Sheehan, Sheehan, Shannon, Ian, JMO, Jamaletsky, and Heath. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing to watch that little shredder shredded his hair right out. J-Mo, believe it or not, was one of the first people to attempt XRW as well. So I even nerded out a little bit on that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's cool to have watched you enjoy and dude, you got so worn out during that. Yeah. Yeah. Watching you get worn out makes me wonder how I've done it. I, I, I definitely learned a lesson on how to, better pace myself and yeah just better pace myself because i never paced myself at a pia pia i might have paced out like what i do differently because of demands or needs of my time but when i was brand new to pia i went balls to the wall beginning to the end yeah um uh nick knows what time will you you have an idea of uh, what time we get to dinner or bed after dinner when we get oh yeah and it made me feel bad for complaining about getting to go to bed at nine o'clock every night. Yeah. And I was <laughs> up at five every morning because it's the only time I could work and manage business because we went to breakfast every morning and I don't normally eat breakfast, but damn, did you go to any of our breakfasts? I, I did not do breakfast. No. Oh my God. You should have went to uh, two chicks with us once. There were some really good two, two chicks. Two the, chicks at the same time. Two chicks. It was been there. It's a good place. Man, I so love good. eating at two at chicks. Is there a cup involved? Um, there was there was two chicks there was a cup it had coffee in it you had to ruin it <laughs> man their food yeah, was so it. good uh, old dipshit what's his name Tex was it Tex no yeah it was Tex maybe uh, no it was Jeffro uh, ordered the vegan skillet with two eggs and <laughs> bacon maybe um, but if you looked at the vegan skillet it was fucking f- it was it was phenomenal like, I actually almost ordered the same thing he did, but I forget what it was I really wanted that I tried instead. But, nah, man, two chicks. Next time we go to Reno, never again. Never again. I heard too a, cold. I heard, I heard a rumor we're not. Dude, too cold. Uh, it, I've heard it called Little Vegas. I've heard it called Dirty Vegas. I believe it's called Shitty Vegas. Man, I really liked it. The mountains are pretty. Come on. I walked into the casino and wanted to immediately shoot up heroin and put all my money on the table and kill myself. Yeah, like, that's what I did. Solid Tuesday night right here. <laughs> my room was beautiful. The view was beautiful. But everything outside my room and between the offices we had to go to just hurt my brain. And, and I mean, I think I, I think I shared that with you at one point. Like, I got so congested and unable to breathe. Oh, because there's smoke inside? So much. My room smelled like a fucking used ashtray, and I couldn't breathe. I, it, I woke up super it, fucked. Vegas up. isn't any better, is it? Yes, I, it is. I had. Yes, it is. I had yeah. nosebleeds five out of the seven yeah. nights I was there. Like, That's the it high was, dry air. That that as well. You know, being at mm-hmm. sea level, but you the combination just brought some tampons, and you would have solved all your problems. I needed those <laughs> <to> my <laughs> vagina. <laughs> I'm sorry that you were born in Utah. <laughs> 
Well, uh, next yeah, one's in yeah, Daytona Beach. Well, so I mean, everybody should be. And anybody who knows me knows that I used to smoke cigarettes regularly, but now it was like walking into that, just walking out of an elevator door and getting slammed with cigarette and cigar smoke, and then just that going into my lungs, it hurt. Yeah, like, that's that's unpleasant. I'll it, give you it, that. It burned. But so. it, I still had a great time. I mean, I did have a great time. It was it was yeah. cold. It was windy. But it uh, was snowing four days out of the seven. And I don't like snow. But anyways, yeah. I uh, I don't like it. I didn't like I, it. I didn't love it. Reno sucked. I don't um, like the cold um, at all. I love the people, and it makes it better. Um, the fact that we had a good choice for a restaurant made it better. Not mm. uncommon. We go to the same restaurant regularly, but we rather have mixed up the choice of restaurants and eat at the same place five nights in a row. Um, Nick, you ate at the same place four nights in a row. It, I loved it. I ate it five nights in a row, and uh, I'll and tell I did, you, I didn't mind. It would have been great if sushi had worked out. It would have been great if whatever other place we had planned. Oh, before you didn't go to sushi with us? No, but uh, I I went to the steakhouse. Ruth's Ruth Chris. I'm fucking so and disappointed. The uh, why? What are you talking about? Um, Ruth's Chris is overrated for what it is. At least there, I've not been to another Ruth's Chris. Uh, the steak was definitely not bad, but it's not on par for what that kind of steakhouse should be. Um, I had and a great time. Server was, uh, like, dude, if you change, he, he did seem like a bad, like a. <laughs> so Roberta's like a bad actor in a in a steakhouse movie. Roberta's like, I want some wine for the table. Like, talk some through wines, and guys like, well, hey, this sounds like it'll be right up your alley. Awesome, we'll take that. Great, opens it up. We only have one bottle of it. Why did you offer a fucking full table of people who are going to drink wine all night long one fucking bottle of it? So we went through like three different bottles and and, and so I do not care about this next statement. You're going to complain that he didn't change your wine glass? No, I'm not complaining about that. That was a complaint people had at the table. <laughs> yeah, I get That's over that. First world. No, 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 I get over that. But what, really I, but what my problem was is like I have half a glass full of wine and he goes to pour a different wine on top of my wine. I'm like, dude. That's crazy. Every red <laughs> wine I've ever had tastes exactly the same to me. <laughs> I get that that hurts somebody's feelings. I don't give a fuck, dude. Will, I will, will you promise me you'll drink wine next Wednesday night, one glass? Yeah, I'll have some wine. Yeah, I'll, for I'll, sure. I, I think this wine will taste different than other red wines you Okay, have. well, I'm going to mix it with some other red wine just to make you upset. I'm going to bring some $4 gas station red wine, and I'm going to sneak it into your glass and see if you can even tell a difference. Bullshit, because we're only going to have Camus to Camus. It's... Um, and I'm not a big wine guy. I've just learned about wine over the last few years between a few friends. Um and <laughs> I found a wine I really like. I'm gonna share it with you guys Wednesday night. Well, I'm excited. I'm gonna try it and I'm gonna do my very best to to. It's just wasted on me. Good wine is wasted on me. I don't have the power for it. It's uh just just a glass of it. I want to see if it's different for you in any way, shape, or form. Um, I feel your pain, Nick. You get you get what I'm saying. I, that, that's why I was now? the only one drinking beer first night, first night out because it's just. I don't waste the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm only drinking wine, like not to fit in, but to join in the activity. Really, I would say I we don't even enjoy it. I don't think we had any spectacular or crazy wine at dinner this year at PIA. Um, if we had brought our own wine into the booth one night, like where we we wouldn't do that because you're not supposed to. But if we were to have done that, that would have been a pretty good wine. 
So that I drank that wine that didn't exist. Yeah, it tasted exactly like all yeah. the other ones. I would not tell you it tastes like I. I would not be shocked that you say that. I would still politely refuse. And are, they, are, are we are we are we talking about like the the same type of wine? Are we drinking different types of wine that that don't taste that don't taste? Different? It's all red. <laughs> I mean, it's wait, is, are we all drinking like cabs the the whole time? Don't you dare put that below in my Pinot Grigio. And and even some of the cabs we were drinking were quite a bit different. You know, uh, uh, you know, Dow. I do not know. Um, sorry, now I'm gonna stop being a fuck. Like, yeah, you're being a wine snob, dude. I'm not Dow. No makes makes. Dude, it's like a fucking twenty dollar bottle. These are white people problems. You're the only non-white person in the room. Take it easy. Wine, rice wine, oh, sake. Bro. Oh my god! <laughs> it was great because you know how Roberta ordered dinner for everybody. Yes, we went fantastic. to the sushi restaurant. And they pointed at me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's up? The racial profiling continues. <laughs> but Roberta ordered half of our sushi. I ordered the other half, and they liked my half. But I'm a sushi nerd, so so they're not wrong. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, I mean they're misjudging but racist and accurate remember the place you and i went to in in, in uh, casa grande just you and i yes it was way better than the place that we told we all have to go yeah so i it's took, casa grande yeah, fuck dude that's called I a took, stereotype nick i took quite a few people to uh the one you and i went to mm-hmm. um and I mean, it was good a couple people it was actually really it was good, good. Yeah. yeah it was really good especially bang for your buck a couple people have been going to sushi around that area for years on and off because they visit regularly and none of them have heard of it, and they all know the best places. And they were all like, holy fuck, this is the new place. I'm like, I've been trying to tell jumpers at Eloy this since like only October, because of October <laughs> that we found it. But I'm always like, man, how do you guys keep telling me all these other places? This Try this fucking joint. It's, it's good. So what was it? WZ Sushi or some bullshit off of Casa Grande. Yeah, like Z the, Sushi or something. Yeah, like WZ, I think. But man. That sounds like a radio station. Welcome <laughs> back to WZ Sushi in the morning with DJ Marvin. DJ. <laughs> donut, donut. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's, uh, it was a good time. Nick, If uh, first of all, I got to commend you. If you people have not uh, seen PIA... Um, this is a little bit of a shameless plug for LB altimeters, but it really is nothing to do with it at all. You really should go to LB altimeters Facebook page or Instagram page or YouTube page and find all the videos there of the uh, symposium because Nick did a great job of not just representing LMB and the lifestyle of LMB and the personality and persona of the company. And Nick, thank you so much for getting Jacob at the end. And that really was a clincher, dude. That, that last video is one that I'm proud of. The, the other videos, I, I still think they're they're okay. And I think I did well with what the what I had available to the date and the time frame that I had. But uh, that that video seems like a seems like a me kind of video, and I like it. It absolutely does. The love, the family, the friends, the the joy, the smiles, the brightness, the entertainment, me hugging text. It, it all, I'm watching the video to the side yeah, here. I'm, yeah. I'm catching the reflection. Oh, exactly. right now. Yeah. I think that video kind of tied in the previous days as well. Like That was like the, the conclusion to a really good story that you were writing. So. I think if you watch these videos in a whole, though, um, man, it's so cool to see the people. Um you do a good job of really connecting PIA in general to uh, to us, to us being there and, and and them being around us. So really, you did such a great job presenting the, the brand and the company, uh, but the symposium itself. So if you guys have never got to go, uh, 
um, look at the video just to see what's going on and seeing what's happening there. And then, of course, if you enjoy Mr. P's editing skills, the closed video, all of them he did a good job on. Um, but these, a lot of them are, are uh, simply interviews. So he, there's only so much he could do. Like we asked Nick interviews, uh, video some interviews, edit it and put it up later on today. And that's all he did. Literally, that's all he did. And he crushed it. Um, but, the, but man, just, just watch those videos. It was a pleasure to work with. Nick actually yanked me into doing some of the interviews, um, which Josh you know, was impressed by. You know, you're my favorite person to have on the camera. You're the most natural person in conversation, <laughs> and you're so great at connecting the dots. Like, I, I say that I'm, I'm okay at asking questions for an interview. I'm okay at a- asking a question and, ha- and having someone answer. But you are so great at setting the stage for the question, uh, asking a very smart question and flowing really well with their response into the next question or into the end of the conversation in a very seamless, unawkward, and uh, it feels like a very calculated way. So, man, it's I know that if I grab you and say, hey, be on camera with this person, man, you're going to make it work. And that makes my ability to create a better-looking product, you know, if I've got a stronger team, then I've got a stronger product at the end, too. First of all, I appreciate it. Um, I, I do want to mention, do you know how I grow my beard nice and full? It's fertilized by bullshit. Just saying, <laughs> man. Uh, Whatever it is, it's working. <laughs> um, I, I really do appreciate it. And you shared some some uh, different videos with me while we were there. And in some of those different videos, you uh, wanted to share your inspiration of why you wanted to have me also help. And, uh, man, I, I will say, uh, you and Josh both know it's not my favorite place to be on the other side of the camera. Um, and, and I've accepted I need to do it a little bit more for some of my job. Weird for someone who started a podcast. It's audio. There's no camera. <laughs> I'm looking at a f- camera that's been flashing me the entire time. So, you know, I never really like the camera stayed up because people asked to keep it live. And honestly, it's a good way to get the word out that the show exists. It is a great marketing tool for the for the three people who tune in on Facebook. But, every but, right, year. Just, but just like the microphones, just like the cameras, if you can let that stuff fade away but, and just yeah. have natural conversation, mm-hmm. man, you're great at it. Dude, hey, just to put a plug in, uh, I got asked by people who thought I was you that What's ran up, this Carlos? podcast. What's yeah. up, Carlos? How you doing? Hey, Carlos. Hopefully you listen to my man. Uh, I have listened sometime mm-hmm. for sure. Um, no, it, 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 uh, no, I, I realize I have that knack and that talent and, uh, I appreciate your, 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 uh, desires of my help. I'm your muse. Um, you're, you're the artist and I'm just your, your, you your are my people. muse, my flame. Um, I, eternal flame. <laughs> I just want to start singing the Bengals. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, uh, but I had a blast doing it. And I had a blast. And one of my favorite parts is in, in years past. So I remember doing an SSK video with you for PIA. Remember that? Uh, it was a video that we filmed at the Drop Zone for SSK to, to play at the symposium. Yeah. And yes. there were some quotes of me. You know, you interviewed me about some stuff. And uh, even right around that time, we did a couple other projects where you shot video of me. And remember how long and how many takes it took to do some of those? Yeah, that's how I am still all the time. If no one else is around, man, I do it a thousand times. And you wouldn't believe how uncomfortable I still feel in front of the camera in a dark room by myself. Man, the thing that I loved at PIA is I would get done with a shot with you. And my first thought was Josh would be so proud of me. Because Josh is one take Jake over here. We watch him produce burner content all day long. 
Um, I say all day here and there, and he commonly hits one take. And when he does, does so, the, I've only seen Josh do more than one take once or twice outside of when he does Spanish videos. Then it's several <sighs> takes. Ay, mi Dios! Hola, <laughs> bienvenidos a Berna. That's exactly. Well, so we recently had to, uh, yeah, redo all of the product videos that we have in English because now we have a Berna Latin America division, and instead of hiring, instead of hiring. <laughs> Some native Spanish speaker to do these videos, like no, Josh, I've heard you speak Spanish. You can. I was like, I don't, I don't speak it that fluently, but I can. Guess I can read it. But yeah, it was quite the frustrating day. So yeah, it was constantly like I chingao, you know. I mean, like I just me, you know. I'd screw up a line. And, oh my uh, god, are you gonna make a Spanish bloopers video? I, I have some set aside. Yes, like, yes. Yes. We do, by the oh, dude, uh, we do, by the way, have a lot more uh, LB content coming that we need to sit down and hit at some point. Um, it's just a matter of uh, we have about a month of construction, I think, before we try to push any of that again. Um, dude, so we, we uh, one of my favorite things at LMB is Josh, look to your left on that bookshelf at arm level, uh, arm down one level. Do you see that thing? That, yeah, be careful with that, please. That is super fucking dope, man. Um, Tom Noonan, many of you know who Tom Noonan Ooh, is. Yeah. Tom Noonan, Skydive Everest, Nepal, Director of Tandem Operations for UPT, has done a lot of great things. Um, um, I, I've always, I've known Tom for a while. Um, got blessed to meet him before he fell into some of these cooler jobs that he got to do. And, and, um, just always felt like a kindred spirit to him. You know, he just his positivity, the way he tries to talk to people, the way he tries to maintain a standard and represent, you know, he's not always successful. He's not always liked. None of us are, but he's commonly successful and commonly liked quite a good speaker. And, uh, he's sponsored by LMB and he's like, man, on one of these Nepal trips, he showed me, uh, carved stones that, that are made with, with, uh, religious, uh, intent or, or spiritual intent. And he's like, man, I'm going to have one made for each of my sponsors, Cookie, LMB, et cetera. And then when Tom passed away, we thought very little or nothing of it. That's going to hang in the office. And we're going to shadow box that in memory of Tom Noonan and hang it in our office. Um, um, Tom uh, had that made and we completely forgot about it. And a guy named Greg Rao came up to Jason Cook and myself with, with those. And we got to sneak that into the booth. So having that was was super fun. So you didn't know that that was going to be part of the. No. Oh, that's cool. No, the it best looked part. really great in, inside in the table. Yeah, and the best part is is nobody knew where it came from except for the girls because I walked up and said, "Girls, I'm sorry, you just did a great job, but we're going to change this." And they all looked at me like they were going to fucking shoot me. Yeah. Because those girls, did you see how many times they rearranged those stupid devices? Yeah, I've got time lapses. Oh my god, those women! <laughs> uh, god bless them because a they did it so many times. Um, and B, the first time looked great, dude. It really did. But God, man, I compare the first version they gave us to the last version they gave us. The first version was dog shit. Um, they started in a place that we were super happy, and then they just made it fucking gorgeous from there. And then I walked up and said, we're putting this in there, so good luck. And they flew through it, man. Um, so that that was really cool for, for me to see. It was a, a kind of a flood of memories of Tom. Um Stefan, at some point, when him and I were traveling, he's like, what was that thing in the case? And I, I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't tell anybody about it. I just put it in there. Um, and, and to talk stories about Tom and to share Tom's uh, history of Tom. Um, and, and Tom, it really reminds me, the first time he was on our show was here. Why wouldn't you? Remember that guy? Remember that episode? 
You so know, there's a, a very I don't remember that episode, drunk man. friend of DJ's sat right here. Why were you? And I'm, God, his name escapes me. Hugh Funk. That's right. <laughs> Hugh Funk. Man, it was uh, a really uncomfortable situation. Like, you know when you don't know someone well enough to call them out on what's happening? And they're close friends with somebody that you do know, and you feel like you're <laughs> overstepping boundaries by addressing this person who starts smoking a cigar inside of your friend's house twice. Puts it out in his, on his jeans. Mm-hmm. So Hugh. That was so wild. We had a, we had a ta- AFF tandem standardization meeting here in Houston for USPA. USPA was desperate, so they asked me to run the meetings uh, with Jim Crouch sitting in with me. And on the tandem one, Tom Noonan and Kenneth God just uh, joined us. Um, so while Tom is in town, Tom is doing the podcast with us. We had a wonderful time. Hugh Funk is coming to visit. He's an old friend of mine. He worked here at Spaceland, got fired at Spaceland. Um, if I ever say, do as I say, not as I do, I earned my fucking stripes. Ask the boys. I've worked hard. I've done my fair share. I have fucked up tremendously, and I appreciate all, all the opportunities of, of growth and learning we have together. Um, but don't do what I've done because I've earned these stripes. Hugh did not believe me, and he got fired because he thought he could do what I did. I'm like, dude, you don't see the yep. work I put in that you like, you're seeing the, the shit I get away with. You don't see the work I do to get away with it. Um, love the guy to death, but he shows up. Hey man, this is my first standardization meeting. I'm becoming an examiner. Here he is staying in my house. He shows up, sits in a chair right here next to Nick, drunk as fuck, writes a cigar. At some point I'm like, you were producing, right? Yeah, that's right. We're yeah. And I, I smell and I look and I'm like, man, dude, put that shit out. Dude, you can't smoke in my house. And did he put it out on his pants or his hand the first time? I think he put it out on his, I don't know. All I know is he put it out once and then 20 minutes went by oh, and yeah. he was lighting it up. Again. I don't even think it was five, man. It was, yeah, it was 25, whatever. And man, it was so uncomfortable. Every time that, uh, I feel like it was happening about this LNBL is the 2019 too. standardization, right? Or 2018. This had to be 2018. I feel like it was 2018. It's been it had to be 2018. Had to be an odd year because we did odd years. Because I I didn't even get into the examiner stuff. It was like, odd years. It could have been 2017. It could have been that long ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. God, been, have we been doing this for that long? Yeah. That's depressing. Yeah. Um, we started 2017 <laughs> March, so yeah, it was late 2017. Um, had to be. But so, I remember Tom talking well about uh, LB altimeters and Hugh. Saying, why wouldn't you jump out here? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? And like, I felt like because I didn't know this person that I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them an opportunity when (laughs) instead of shutting down random drunk guy, I was like, oh, I'm going to let DJ's friend speak. And I mean, it was fully off the rails. I was (laughs) about to text my wife to tell her to come get this guy out of my office. Come get you out of here, distract him, do whatever you want. When he had to get up and go piss. And he never came back. And that was great. Well, Jim Crouch picks up Tom Noonan after the show to give him a ride to wherever the fuck they're staying. And as he meets us at the front door, hey, DJ, there's a, I'm pretty sure a really drunk guy passed out on your sidewalk. So, oh, yeah, that's Hugh Funk. He's here to become an examiner. At the meeting, you, myself, and Tom Newton are running tomorrow, and the three of us are standing here looking at him. Great first impression, Hugh. Um, man, I am not mocking Hugh, by the way, guys. When you hear the rest of the story, the, this gets wonderful, in my opinion. 
Um, he absolutely uh, embarrassed himself and made an ass of himself. I much love the kid. I much think the world of him. Uh, Chris has done the absolute same and and, and uh, really, really betrayed my trust at a high level. Um, and I can say that directly to him right now because he has absolutely earned that trust back. He is trusted with my friends, my family, my house, my pets, and my company. So, uh, if you think you fucked up with me and you can't get another chance, you absolutely can through hard work. I think you betrayed my trust worse than most people have. I really do. And I hope you understand. I mean that respectfully. It takes a lot of hard work. And and you earned every bit of it, my friend. You earned every bit of it, brother. Love you. Um, so let's go back to Hugh Funk. Yeah, fun stuff, fun stuff. So I, was, stuff. I show up to CPS, Military Open House. CPS, Consolidated Parachute Solutions, for those of you who don't know, is SunPath, UPT, and so Javelin, Vector, and PD combined to be a military uh, 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 manufacturer. They produce military gear. They also are a military training facility. Uh, they're based out of the land for manufacturing. They're based out of Coolidge, Arizona, near Eloy for training, where they train groups. Uh, they formerly trained MARSOC, Marine Special Operations Command. Uh, they train domestic and foreign military, ally military. They are they are a little bit picky about who they'll train, which I have respect to them for that. Um, um, although I wouldn't say they're picky about the people they have on their staff, because <laughs> as I'm there setting up the first day, I see people I know. I see Junior. I don't know if you know Junior Ludwig. Um, I see Kevin Purdy. I see uh, a bunch of people I know. I see Trunk. Just just different friends I know just keep running across me. And out of nowhere, this guy's like DJ. I'm like, holy shit, Hugh Funk, 50 pounds lighter than the last time I saw this cocksucker. <laughs> Didn't expect that one. <laughs> well, man, I saw him and I'm like, he's, 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 wow, he's at CPS. I mean, like, this is a pretty serious gig. This is a pretty serious job. Like, you just can't be a fuck off and be here, although I do believe you can because I know several of the people who work there. And I don't mean it rudely, but um, not everybody's perfect and they don't have all the perfect employees. They've got people who work well and everybody works well. I'm just not everybody's the greatest people sometimes. But so I see Hugh. He seems so put together. He seems super good. And we talked and we had a good time. And it's, it's obvious Hugh's different. And it's great to see him, man. Absolutely. Just love, hug. Um, my climbing wall in my old house, Hugh helped me build. Um, so man, just, just a great reunion. The next morning, there's a briefing at 700, oh, 700, and it's the jump briefing, and we all have to be there. And, uh, the president and vice president of CPS, based out of mainly DeLand, uh, are there. The general manager for CPS is usually there, is there. And then one of the team leaders stands up and he starts doing the briefing. Hey guys, Freddie and, and John, Fred and Johnny will be here a little bit later on. I want to start with a briefing, blah, 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 blah. And introduces everything, and your DZSO, DZ safety officer for the day, is Hugh Funk. And I just kind of went like, wait a minute, Hugh Funk is a safety officer? I didn't say that, but I was like, what the fuck? And he steps forward, gives what a big nod, funk? kind of like a, a funk, yeah, right? A little, like, you know, kind of like a little minor, so like, what's up, boys? Um, and he steps back, and then he continues his briefing, and, and as he gets like, so, uh, for, for the in, in aircraft procedures, uh, Mr. Funk, are you, and he immediately stands up next to the team leader and starts giving all the signals. So if this happens and whatever happens, he's giving the signal for, you know, whatever it happens to be. And it's very, A, uh, flight attendant-y, but be very 
military and see very disciplined, crisp, like the, the, like when they talk about if there's a need for a mask, you'll, you'll give this uh, signal to put your mask on and he makes a motion of putting a mask on. But the way he does it is so methodical. And so, and I'm like, who the fuck is this kid? I end up talking to Hugh and he's one of the team leaders. There's two team leaders for CPS. And then you've got the guys who work underneath them. And those guys answer the GM who answered to the bosses. And this fucking, why wouldn't you drunk ass shithead over here passed out on my fucking sidewalk <laughs> is one of the well-respected team leaders. So my favorite part of PIA was the people. My favorite part of, uh, of CPS and probably one of my favorite part of the trips period was watching you be that super well-respected, super looked up to person. As operations were going on, he was nonstop busy juggling. You, you've both seen me on a busy day where I can like talk to five people at once and just, yes, this you do. And he, watching him be that guy in command and that people were wanting his input, not just asking for his input. Um, that was really neat to see and, and him introducing to people like, man, this is my first mentor. This is a guy that I looked up to and the guy that I've tried to role model first. Uh, there have been others since, but th th this is, and to watch him become that guy, that by itself was pretty great. But on that second day, as we were talking, I was asking about who he is and who he's become. He explained how he found uh, alcohol being an issue and how he kicked alcohol and had his hand to drink for so long and he didn't realize the spot went blah, 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 blah. And he apologized to me at the end of that statement. Man, the last time I saw you, I felt so bad. I really haven't stayed in touch with you for so long because of that and I feel so bad. And, and man, I feel so bad for your wife and explained briefly with zero excuse and then said, man, and I just need to apologize. I am sorry. And I looked at him and I felt every heart warming bit of it. And I looked and I said, Hugh, I appreciate it. And I fully accept it, but I got to know, who are you sorry for? He goes, I'm sorry for me. I'm sorry to me. I'm apologizing to me. And dude, you know my, my life of ad addicts in my life. And you know how I, how I struggle seeing addicts in my life. And that, that, made your brain. that was the absolute <laughs> highlight of my life to watch somebody who was a super close friend of mine somebody who i did get to mentor at some point as well and, and not always knowingly mentor turn out to be such a highly respected leader and then to watch my boss and his boss cps owner lmb owner who both get together work together get along see some of their high commands be homies and now have this connection and just to see how that whole circle and the cogs start meshing together, man, and that was fucking unbelievable. And and if any of you guys know Hugh Funk and, and the why wouldn't you jokes we make, fuck yeah, keep making them. He doesn't remember it for what it's worth. He does not. Um, Good job, Hugh. Proud of you, man. Way to turn it around. Yeah, but I'm so proud of that boy. And uh, he'll, he'll be on the show next time he's in town, when he's in town, if he's in town. And uh, I'll be proud. Why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be? I'm tempted to say, why well, wouldn't he be? Yep, it's all right. Yeah, it, it is all right. Man, we are getting close to the end, but I, I just, man, sorry, we're not going to get to nearly everything I never want to get to. Um, but I really want to get to the future of TRC. Last show, we had our good friend Dylan uh, Bell, right? Yep. And at the end of the show, I, I talked about how we are expanding with TRC, and Rosie Booker is joining the team. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Fudala, uh, your girlfriend, what's going on there? My girlfriend, Chris Fudala, or my girlfriend, <laughs> Laura Dixon? <laughs> my girlfriend, Chris Fudala, 
No, Chris Vidal, your girlfriend. What's going on there? Uh, she's doing great. But you guys are moving. Oh, we're mo- oh, okay. Oh, uh, uh, now I'm catching up. Yeah. Uh, so she That's got. The she I'm got not good at leading questions, Nick. She got a uh, ridiculously good uh, job offer, and uh, her job is going to be splitting her time between San Antonio and Austin, which is perfect because uh, Skydive Space on San Marcos splits the difference of those those two areas, and uh, more importantly, her two offices. Uh, so it opened a really great opportunity for me to move with her. Uh, that was uh, kind of a big thing, you know, for us as well as uh, in our relationship. That was uh, something we definitely talked about long before we made that known uh, to anybody. And uh, Ivy, Ivy, let me know before you did. Because she doesn't know how to keep her mouth shut. Oh, man, you guys are throwing her under the bus. I straight up did. Anyways, uh, so uh, big things, big things uh, happening. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, yeah, big, big things are happening with that. And, you know, she's getting a really good opportunity. And then it was like, hey, cool. Moving forward, uh, we have Rosie Booker. who will So hold on. Us. I want to get to this personal side for one minute. <laughs> You talk about bitter fucking sweet because actually your girlfriend Laura, without you, I was friends I don't with Laura. Cry. I was friends with Laura uh, before y'all started dating. So when Chris started dating Laura, I was like, oh thank God, two people I like are actually dating. Yeah. Um, because she's such a wonderful person, and so she's kind of already joined our friend group to some level, and then it just blossomed after that. Yep. She is Nick. Plug your ears. She plays D and D with one of our groups, regular uh, nerd thing. So we, we really enjoy that. And, but then Valerie and I have really enjoyed Chris and Laura's company. They've been in our house a little bit more regularly recently and just started spending time and hanging out. So really kind of uh, bitter that you guys are, are moving, but sweet because Laura's getting a wonderful opportunity, really wonderful opportunity. Uh, I think I shared with you earlier when I first got here, it is a very bitter, bittersweet because that's something Laura and I absolutely treasure is the dinners that we get to have here, the times that we get to spend with, you know, just, just couples dating. Yeah. Uh, you, you are, 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 you are our adult friends. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. scary. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> you work with me. You got, you got, how scary it is. We have double dates at each other's house. Well, and, and by each other's, I mean their house. Um, <laughs> we, we, we recently, we're like, hey, you guys cook dinner for us all the time. We're going to bring a bunch of stuff over and use your kitchen and cook dinner for you. <laughs> Dude, eating dinner at home is a blessing because you don't have to go out. Yeah. Going out to eat is a blessing because you don't have to cook dinner or do dishes. When your friends say, can we come cook dinner for you? You're like, Dude, when it was time to sit down and get food, I had a glass of <laughs> wine or scotch or something. I went to go set it on the table. And after that, I went back to the kitchen to work. I went back to the kitchen and went, oh. I'm just gonna go ahead and make my plate. And I'm like this, this is fucking like I had a fucking butler for the night. Yeah. So I, it, we're gonna miss you tremendously, but but yeah, uh, no, that, that that's definitely one of the bittersweet things. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of friends that we have here. A lot of uh, a lot of people like every day. They're like, you guys can't leave. You can't leave. And it's like, yes, he can. Half half jokingly, I'm like, hey guys, you remember last summer? Well, I was only here for like three, four days at a time, and then I was on my next trip for another course. It's going to be the same. I'm just based out of San Marcos. But at the same time, it's going to be missed because, hey, those afternoon hangouts or, hey, it's bad weather. Let's go 
you know, do something together. Yeah. I'm not going to do that with the Houston crowd anymore. But I can go across the street and go float the river. Literally. So literally. Before we get to Rosie, I I do want to mention the the bittersweet is is bitter. You're leaving sweet. Good for her. But Mm -hmm. personally, I I absolutely am a little bit broken heart. You guys are moving, but I get it. Yeah. Uh, Professionally, I am so excited you're leaving. (laughs) That's that's the direction I was going when you first originally asked the question because I thought you were asking about the TRC side. Bitter because, yeah, leaving. Sweet because there's opportunity for growth with our business, our business. I appreciate that. I appreciate Uh, that. So Greg Levin has done a really good job in San Marcos of laying a foundation. Uh, he has limited opportunity of what he can give as far as ratings. He, he, he only, he only has his certain limitations and the time he can dedicate to the company and to the customer is limited. He has a wife and kid. Um, he's had his own business besides. So he really is done good and laying a great foundation there for us. But to build the future, we have Boris joined, uh, the company, a Gravity Lab project for canopy coaching. He's going to be running some basic canopy courses. Greg Levin will continue with us for the next couple months. Um, um, for as long as he wants to, said and done. But Greg, Greg is moving on to greener pastures, and you can ask Greg about that yourself. Um, with with all uh, respect, we we wish Greg the absolute best. We love and, and cherish him. Um, but now we we have this hard to build a future. If Greg is still there, we're going to build a future with him. Unfortunately, he's moving on. Rosie is joining us. She's near halfway or more done with her coach examiner. Uh. Barring some paperwork issues, yes. Yeah. And now that gives... But we've, I've already set her on that path, like, hey, get this started now. Yeah. So, so now we've got a foundation there. She's going to start also learning canopy coaching and canopy courses. And the great part is, is we now have a full-time guy in San Marcos to cater to the training and learning of the team and the staff there. And I think the community really leans on having that leader. I, I know when I show up to the DZ... Um, you, you guys, I'm sure have heard me. I, what are you doing? I, I call it marketing days. Marketing days are days I fuck off on the DZ mm-hmm. because I guarantee I'm going to book two to three pieces of business walking around answering dumb questions. And they're not really dumb. I appreciate all the questions. I enjoy helping people. And you're not accessible because you're busy running a course. Katie can't answer questions because she's fucking hucking drogues. So the team who they want to talk to isn't there. So yo, dude. I'll be here. What the fuck, man? I'll, and you're you're gonna have that opportunity to help people there. So I, I think the the jumper base will get a little bit tighter communication with our coaches, with our examiners. We're gonna see more opportunity for training there in various aspects. So I'm excited yep. to see that growth. Huge amounts of growth. So if you guys see Chris on the drop zone, remember to grab cards on your way out. Some more of the uh, blank office info cards for uh, the business, old style but same information. Um, I've got dozens, if not hundreds of them. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm super excited to see that Rosie Booker is joining us. Um, Nick, have you seen how many people told me they want to be an examiner? You know, I don't, I honestly don't know if that's a request you get often or not at all. Seven. <laughs> this week. Um, <laughs> no. So I, mean, I guess it's probably pretty similar to the number of people that come up and say, Oh, I want to be a videographer. I, I'm going to do this and that. And they never take step one. So I can imagine. Point made. Four in the last month. So once a week. And it's not commonly that frequent, but that is the current pace he, he's on. But exactly, you made the point, Nick, as often as you hear it as a TI, I want to be a TI, I want to be a video guy. And they just don't. And, and I don't disbelieve their intent when they say it. 
but I don't think they either realize what they're asking for or they weren't seri- like they didn't they didn't really think about it before they said it. And so many people say it, and they even go through the process, but they never actually apply themselves through the process. And the, this this stupid Australian girl, this this little bloody Australian thingy, my bobber, she's like, Chris, I want to be an examiner, mate. Pop, 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 pop. I don't know what else. And he says, this is what you need to do. And she's like, well, here's half my paperwork already done. She's yeah. already knows what she needs to do, and she's already taken the steps forward. And that's the kind of people we want with TRC is people who know how to take the initiative, look up what they need to do, read their manuals. Um, you know, it, it's all there. And so I think the future there is great with, with Rosie joining the team. And, and just, just to expand, it. like it kind of the heck a half a step backwards to expand. Nick, you've probably dealt with this several times. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hey, you need to take this, that, and the other steps, and then you realize how much work that's going to take, and then you're just like, "Yeah, no, I don't want to do that." I mean, I, I think, can't be bothered to do I, that much. I work. think that's honestly successful. People in general are the ones who do what Rosie has done, mm-hmm. and you do the groundwork before you start the conversation. Yeah, like I can't. Uh, this isn't something I've really given any forethought to, but just as you guys are talking about it, it's like, yes, those those are the people that work out, the people that. Uh, have done some of the work and have done some of the research and don't just show up with nothing to you with the, their idea of what they want to do. Like you're mm-hmm. going to be the one that sorts it all out for them. Man, there is so much information available on the internet. There's so many more resources right. available to learn before you come to someone like an examiner. Like, yeah. man, if you, if you want to be more successful in whatever you're doing, God, do some of the work yourself before you dump it on somebody else. Show up with some work done and with a plan for yourself. And oh boy, are those people easier to listen to. Yeah, for sure. Or like, if I have to tell you the same answer three times, I'm just going to hand you the, the sim and be like, here, figure it out. <laughs> Cause I've already told you. <laughs> Fair. Right. I mean, it's it, well, same language or not, excuse me, not same language. Same story, different language. Yeah, and I think the part of that is just people, and people are, uh, you know, impulsive and want uh, that instant gratification of, hey, I had this idea yesterday; it needs to be done by today. Yeah, like, hey, that we live in a pretty instant world with, uh, oh, Instacart and whatever else, Uber Eats and (laughs) And Instagram, yeah, Insta, 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 Insta. Not, not everything works that way, and I surely appreciate the people that um, put in the work to make whatever part of. their what their question that involves me hey it makes it easier for me to help you if you've already helped yourself i just had a great idea for a film festival intro you got to do little dicky love it already imagine little dicky (laughs) little dicky i've got up in the 90s yeah like that song too okay no tunnel flyers allowed (laughs) (laughs) so so there's gonna be three people in the video (laughs) i know that's a hard one that's a real hard one. I mean, okay. Because I just can't be in it. <laughs> so, people who learned in the sky first, that, that has to be a thing. Okay. Because that's still like a number one I, thing that's I, in my brain. I think I can find a pretty skilled group. Yeah. So, let me hear you shout. Belly flyers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, no, there really is some... But uh, it, it, there is a delineation between... Free fall and tunnel fly. Very, very big delineation. Yeah, I mean, as I, far as knowledge and skill set, it's called a wall. 
Not wrong. No, yeah, I, mean, I have always described it as a, as a Venn diagram of there's tunnel flying and there's skydiving. There's a small overlap in those two things where yeah. it's doing, looking good in free fall, doing yeah. a good job. If you take away, uh, oh, good gear checks and good airplane <laughs> etiquette and, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I always describe it as the, the circle of the, skydiving. You've the pie chart. You've heard yes, me do I this, right? steal that. I steal that every time. I want to hear this. I want to hear it. So where does the skydive start? Right, like, hey, uh, you need to have the knowledge about what a good gear check is before you even do the good gear check, right? So we've got, uh, we started a gear check. We started uh, responsibly managing our time before we're in the loading area. We have good etiquette in the loading area, good communication in the loading area. We have uh, getting into the airplane in a smart and safe and responsible way. We have sitting in the air, like, man, it's, there's an art to sitting in the airplane, and if you don't know that, man, you're fucking up. Yeah, and there's. Uh, responsibility for communication and awareness in the airplane of having the forethought to look at this person in rental gear and a white Benny helmet and ask them what they're doing on their jump. Cause you might keep that person from tracking up the line of flight on that very jump at you or yeah, exactly. Or you may, may have some friendly advice to offer them that a more experienced skydiver asked you when you were that new person. Uh, Hey, are you responsible with the way you take off, stow your seatbelt and the way that you sit and hold still in the airplane? Are you responsible about communicating ground speed and getting out of the airplane in a timely manner and uh, still being aware of all the other people? How well do you exit an airplane? How safely do you approach a group? And now we're into the tunnel flying skill set. <laughs> so you're proving my point. You can look really good for the, for the so five second window. You're only proving my point. But let me rephrase the idea. Okay, we didn't get to parachutes yet. Don't forget that. Yeah. Now let you're let, let me pick up where I left off. We're only halfway up. Well, let me rephrase my point. If you learn before Memorial and the Woodlands were a thing, you learn how to skydive before Memorial and the Woodlands were a thing. You know, that that's... I. There is some truth to that statement, but there are plenty of old school skydivers who also are guilty of many of the things that, that I'm pointing out. Yes, yes. And then we get to break off. <laughs> <laughs> and how many moving pieces can you be aware of? Hey, where's the group left before you? Where's the group left after you? Where's your holding where, area? How predictable your is your pattern? Yeah, where are the other Where's your group? Yep. <laughs> and now we've got uh, uh, flying safely, approaching the pattern safely, flying a good pattern, being aware of other people following the arrow, not crossing the runway. Looking it. Yeah, all, all of that. <laughs> Flaring your parachute. Yeah, it's a great thing to do. Yep. But uh, I'm sorry, I kicked that whole thing off. No, no, I'm it's, not. A, it's not. And I really, I really do appreciate it because all of this, like to me, safe skydiving really boils down to awareness yeah. of awareness that you're sharing this space with other people, and awareness that kind of everybody has a job to do, and it's your job to do your job well, and to keep your eyes out for everybody else that we're sharing the airplane and airspace with, and to help those people do their job, yeah. and that hey, somebody helped you when you were new, and you're not above helping that person whoever their whatever their experience level is that we should all be looking out for each other and that we all have things to offer yeah for sure josh you had something cool man with that i think that's a great way to wrap the show guys and gals nick you don't know this yet but we'll be back next week next week puts us back on our normal thursday night schedule we're going to go back to every other week the best we can uh sorry for the long absence but uh recently we've actually had a pretty good streak and, and we'll be back at it Hopefully you can be here. If not, uh, Josh cannot. So uh, if you can't, we'll figure it out. We'll be in the Vegas. Um, so. Hey, play that funky music, white boy. Here comes the button. Um, is that ham horn still going? 
Chris Vidala, thank you for being here. Thank you for representing the Rating Center here at home at PIA, at the examiner meeting, and really establishing our crowd in San Marcos. Uh, just a little heads up for you. You'll be sent to Dallas for months at a time in the near future to do the same thing there. I say near future. It's going to take a couple years. But till then, Mr. P, you got anything? No, that's it. Hamhorn, peace out, guys. Let's go. Love everybody. Nerds, you're a bunch of fucking nerds. Oh, Floyd.